Hey guys, welcome to the Bagden Broadcast, episode number 458. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we're looking forward to coming out September 29th, 2021. And then we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, we're bringing you the 20th part of our great Marvel movie retrospective. We're going to be taking a look at 2018's Ant-Man and the Wasp. We've done 20 of these. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, if we put all our episodes together, we are probably half as long as all watching all these movies. I don't know. We got, got some long episodes. We got some doozies. We talk so much that sometimes I just need to stop and take a drink. Mm. And Chris, you just took a nice healthy gulp of that. What, what are you drinking? And what do you think of it? So I stopped by a local Orlando brewery, Sideward Brewing, today, and they had their um, annual Sidetoberfest over this weekend where they put out a bunch of new beers. They put out their Sausage Fingers Oktoberfest, which I had last year, and it was fantastic. So I picked up some of that to go today, too. But I also picked up three other brand new beers from them, and I'm starting off with their Dome, D-O-M-E, Dome. And this is a cold IPA. Um I did not know what a cold IPA was, so I actually just Googled it. And it turns out it's just like a regular IPA, but it is brewed with Pilsner malts. And then it's fermented at a cooler temperature. So it's going to be a little bit crispier with a cleaner finish than most normal IPAs. And I have to say, I'm being attacked by penguins right now. <laughs> um, it's, a cold, it's a cold IPA. They came out. They came, oh, there it is. Paul's, Paul's throwing emojis up on the Skype call, and I was very confused. Um, I don't know if it's just because I had had the Sausage Fingers while I was watching Ant-Man in preparation for today's show or what, but this is drinking very close to the Sausage Fingers. It does have a little bit more of that hot bite kind of in the middle of the palate, but the malt characteristic is pretty close on it, so... Maybe if I had drank these like further apart from each other, it would stand out a little bit more. But I feel like I had maybe drank an IPA before, and then I took my Oktoberfest and I poured it into the same glass without rinsing it first because I'm getting just a little bit of that hop. I'm not going to say anything bad about this. It's still good. It's still crispy. It's still drinkable. Um, I'm just not as impressed by it like I thought I was going to be, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, when you text us the beers that you were buying there, it was the one that seemed the most interesting to me because I had, I've had like the no boil hops, and I've had different versions. But for it to say like a, a cold, I was like, oh, I mean, are they lagering it? It's interesting to figure out what they were doing with it. Um, but it sounded the most interesting out of like just going to get a regular IPA, like, ooh, what are you going to get? Oh, this sounds interesting. I'll try that. So I'm sorry it's not... It's like it's fine. It's not bad. Like, I I picked up a four-pack of it. I will definitely still drink the rest of them. And you know, maybe the next day I drink one of these not so close to having another kind of... Not malt bomb, but you know, something that's a little bit more crispy, malty... 
Uh, maybe this will stand out a little bit more. But John, you've already had two beers, and we just started recording. So <laughs> what what do you got right now? So this is an intervention. I'm sorry, what? what? This whole podcast is the opposite of an intervention. Uh, it's enabling. <laughs> Um, before, sorry, before you jump into it, I will say this dome can is slightly like holographic. It's got like that kind of rainbow sheen to it. And I think it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to put the picture up on my own tap when I check into it right now. Um, so it's, it's, is it like iridescent? Cool, yeah. It's got like that iridescence to it. Um, I dig it, but yeah, sorry, John, uh, what beer are you drinking and which one did you try to drink? And then like, nope. So I I poured myself no pumpkin um, from Sloop, which is a an IPA that I've had in the past and have liked it. Um, this is brewed without any pumpkin or spices for a hundred percent pure IPA. Um, and I've had their no pumpkin. I've liked it in the past. Their no Santa. Their no series is usually pretty good, but I poured it and it just wasn't what I wanted. And then Paul said that he had grabbed uh, an Oktoberfest, and I was like, I got an Oktoberfest in the fridge, and I think I'm going to enjoy drinking that a lot more. And I actually wish I had another one of these to top my glass off, because I'm almost, I'm almost done. Wow. This is Warsteiner Oktoberfest Special Edition, uh, 5.9%. Um, this is... Probably one of my favorite Oktoberfest beer. It's crisp. It's clean. It's got this caramel malt note that lingers on the back of the tongue. And it makes you want to go in for another sip. And then you get, again, this really crisp, vibrant beer that just kind of flows over your palate. And delivers this great caramel malt on the back. Um, I could probably sit and drink this beer all day at 5.9%. Probably don't want to. I could, I could drink this beer. Yeah. It's worth buying that 12 pack. (laughs) Uh, But I could just sit and just drink this beer. Uh, In the past, I've felt, um, and every year they're always like a little different, but in the past I've had this beer and the body of the beer is like a lot more creamier. And this is coming off a lot more crisp. Um, but it's still, it's still really good. And like I said, like, I wish I had another one right now. Paul, are you also drinking an Oktoberfest? Well, I, I am surprise, surprise. I'm drinking the Pauliner Oktoberfest beer, uh, as recommended to me by my good buddy, John. And this is the original from Munich Oktoberfest, uh, brewed in Germany. This is 6% alcohol by volume. And this has got that smooth richness that you kind of like, that I was missing from the Founders Oktoberfest. The Founders one had that big kind of malt pop up front and then just glided away to nothing. This has a smooth, you know, uh, yeah, almost creaminess, but I wouldn't call it like cream ale or anything, but, you know, richness, velvety kind of texture. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a big malt pop, but it's a mall, uh, malt wave. Like it just flows throughout. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's not overly heavy. And, you know, I didn't get the 12 pack 
because that only came in bottles. And I was looking for something in cans. This came in a four-pack of 16-ounce cans. So, yeah, 16-ounce. Who knew? It was brewed in Germany. No, it's 1.9 fluid ounces. So it's even bigger than uh, 16 ounces. Wow. So, Paul, question by, for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. If we ever make, like, a jazz fusion band, <laughs> can we call ourselves Malt Wave? Ooh. Because as soon as you said that, I'm like, that would be, like, a weird, like, jazz rock funk band or, like, some sort of, like, weird shoegaze, like, math rock. I like it. Wow. There were so many <laughs> phrases that he used that I did not understand. <laughs> I, like I don't like like music. Paul does it. I don't like music. I listen to Taylor Swift. Everybody. Man, if... If only, if only I don't like music, I listen to Taylor Swift. Was it too long to be an episode? That's a thing I said so many times before. Um, and it's no. Go ahead. I got, no, I got it's nothing. Okay. It's fine. I was, I was moving back out through the beer. No, this is really great. It comes in the sixteen, the uh, tall boy cans. Well, more more importantly, it comes in the cans. I could take it this out with me disc golfing. I did take out the founders. Um, Oktoberfest with me at this golfing. It was okay. But it didn't, you know, it didn't, especially when you're getting out there in the early morning and there's that fall crispness in the air. Oh, just all that like, dew everywhere. And there's that dew on the ground and the, your, your shoes are getting covered and your, your, your feet are getting soaked. Uh, you want something bit, you know, a little, little malty, a little bit, uh, maybe a little smoky, but rich, you know, something to warm you up. And I think this. That's the answer. The, uh, prescription that I need. Yep. That's the This might be the answer. So uh, I'm very ca- excited to save the other three. Hopefully I get to go out to the disc golf courses soon again glad, and bring this with uh, me. I, I always like when I recommend a beer to somebody and they like it. Uh, I have had people who I've recommended things come back and they go, uh, I didn't like that. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, well, it's all right. I just, you said to let you know. Well, I didn't like it. And I was like, okay. Yeah, that's, honestly, that's part of drinking craft beer and trying new stuff. You're not always going to like whatever you get, but, you know, kind of to tie it back into the last episode where we talked about going to breweries, there's always going to be something different for you to try. Like, I like got beers for Yanni before that she tries and she's like, Oh, sorry. I don't, I don't like that one. It's like, okay. Like don't feel bad. Like you're not hurting my feelings. Like we've had lots of stuff that we just, it doesn't check any of the boxes that we're yeah. looking for. And you know, and I it's fine. You just move on to the next thing you got. And nothing will ever be not, as bad uh, as pizza beer. Uh, oh beer. God. That was, uh, yeah, or the hot ham water uh, one, the Jack's Abbey. I can't remember what it was Jack called. Abbey's something like ha- ham hams in my alley or something. I don't remember what it was called. It's I mean, it did, water, did yeah. taste like smoked, like salty ham. It was that, too uh, salty. It was um, way too salty. But yeah, the three of us have pretty much very close palates. The things that we usually like, we all like. The things we usually don't like, we usually all dislike but there are those times where it's like oh i really like this and the two of you look at me like i'm a crazy man or vice versa like paul's like this is the best beer i've ever had and we're like this tastes like garbage what is he talking about 
It's the Taylor Swift of years. <laughs> I was about to say that. Literally word for word. <laughs> I saw it in your eyes and I had to um, beat you to it because it was my... It should have been my joke, so... <laughs> I mean, it is definitely your joke. No matter no matter who said it, Paul, it was your joke. Uh, but, <laughs> but man, you know what? I mean, Paul... I love that you have something you can take with you on the disc golfing course. And, Paul, one of the things I know about you, when you do go disc golfing, in your back pocket, you've already got, like, that weekly news rolled up, just in the, tucked in your back pocket. Just wait until, like, read it as you're, like, tossing mandos. <laughs> tossing Rolling in mandos. Yeah, dealing with the dew, uh, trying to stay out of uh, the water. Yeah. Uh, you got to have that news, so that way you have interesting tidbits to talk about while, while disc golfing, you know, because... It's a very social game. Uh, and this week, I know I brought a couple of stories. Oh, did uh, we talk about the new uh, the the Flight of the Navigator? Bryce Dallas Howard last we week? We did not. I remember reading about it. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that. It was announced that on Disney Plus we're going to be getting a Flight of the Navigator sequel. Which, I remember seeing that movie as a kid and enjoying it. But I don't... I don't know if it's been announced that it's a sequel, well, it, or if it, it's a legacy sequel, yeah, or if it's its own thing. It could be like a requel thing where it's yeah. just standalone. Um, I don't remember anything about it, but I remember liking it and how it made me feel as like a five, six-year-old kid watching a movie about a kid that makes like a spaceship. See, I remember getting the sense that. I no long, I don't actually matter. The world will move on without me, because the eight year old kid, the kid that gets that goes on that adventure is only gone for like not even a day, but the world moves on for eight years, and his family's moved on. They've moved out of the house. His little brother is older, and nobody cares. <laughs> like it was uh, nihilism like, starts early at the Paul house. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> So, so it was like one of those things. It was like, wow, wow, all right. Uh, I will not make a difference in this world if I come up missing tomorrow and I'm gone for eight years. The world will just, life will keep going without me. It's fine. I, I remember that being the important message and why I loved. So you missed the part that the kid. parents are just so happy that their son's back. And that all of a sudden the government comes and takes him away. And then he has to escape again, and, and his brother, who was his younger brother, then goes and helps him escape because he loves his brother. That was lost on you. Yeah, that's... Well, that was just, you know, the Disney vacation. Because the family, I mean, I'm the parents sure. are so happy to have their son. Like, I don't mean to step yeah. on what you're, like... <laughs> but he goes to the wrong house at first. He goes to the wrong house at first, and that whole part is kind of traumatic. And it's like, oh, okay, no, the yeah, the parents are happy to get him back, but they moved on. Like they moved out of the house, they they gave up on him, they, or they, they couldn't they afford that house anymore because they were spending all their money trying to find their son. It's not like they moved into a mansion. Like, hey, you know, so and so. They moved out where they have... So-and-so died. Now we can get a yacht. Because it's the old house that has a boat in the back. Uh, 
I'm sorry. I grew up. Uh, I grew I up none. loving. Uh, hey, the first hour of that day, so I know a lot about that movie <laughs> because Sarah Jessica um, Parker is in it. Fun, fun fact. Next time, <laughs> she's no, no. I'm not making a bad joke. <laughs> Say she's eating apples out of someone's hand. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, fun fact, next time you go to Magic Kingdom, you can actually see the, uh, flight of the Navigator ship in Tomorrowland. What? It lives on top of one of the, like, refreshment stations that they have there. It's, like, Coca-Cola sponsored. Like, they repainted it and added some stuff to it, but they took the actual prop from the movie. Awesome. I look forward to seeing that, because I'm a huge flight of the Navigator fan. Uh, well, next time you're down here, if we go to Magic Kingdom, we'll take a ride on the Tomorrowland People Mover, Wonderful. and I'll uh, point it out to you. Well, I would be compliant to that uh, plan, because that's that's the mm-hmm. thing that Pee Wee Herman says. Did you have to look that up? And he's a spaceship compliant. <laughs> no. I don't remember that at all. Mm-hmm. Compliant. Uh, but I liked that movie quite a bit as a kid. I really did. Keep keeping on the Disney Plus theme, though. Uh, it was announced recently that we'll be having a Disney Plus Day coming up on November 12th of this year, where Disney Plus is going to be launching a bunch of new properties for streaming, and that's going to be the day that some stuff starts debuting for watch on Disney Plus, like Jungle Cruise, Shang-Chi, and The Legend are those, of the Ten Rings. Uh, are those, like, Jungle Cruise and Shang-Chi, are those going to be free to watch, or are they going to be premium Yes, these are going to be the free-to-watch release dates for it. Um, if you want to watch Jungle Cruise, it's already available for that $30 upcharge. Uh, Shang-Chi is currently not available to watch on Disney+, Plus, but it will be available for free-to-watch uh, November 12th. Uh, other things that they did announce were the new series of shorts called Olaf Presents, which seems like it's going to be Olaf retelling some of the other classic Disney stories, Kind of like he did in Frozen 2, where mm. he recounted the events of the first Frozen movie. Um, a couple of shorts that Disney's put out over the years will be available to stream as well. A new short fr- uh, from Pixar with the characters from Luca, called Ciao Alberto. Say uh, it, a new Simpsons right. short, which Ciao, all the Alberto. other Simpsons shorts... Ciao Alberto! Um, all the other Simpsons shorts that they've put on have been a lot of fun when they're tying into, like... Uh, Marvel or Star Wars. Uh, that's where we're going to get more from this one. And then the first five episodes of the second season of oh. The World According to Jeff Gold. I forgot about... I forgot oh, that show existed. Hey, Which, more Jeff Gold. I watched most of... I watched most of the first season. It kind of came out at a time where I was like super excited to watch everything that was coming out on Disney+. Plus, and then it just kind of fell off my radar because there was more and more stuff that started coming out. And then... I just never got back into it because it had been so long since I had watched the last episode about or the shoes like, or the ice cream. Didn't go back into it. It's, but it's fun, and I appreciate just the enthusiasm, enthusiasm that he brings into everything. Even though, like, he he could care less about how they make buttons, but he's like, "Wow, oh, you and you do this all day." How wonderful for you. Like he's And they so call you the button supportive. man. No? Oh. Hmm. Can I call you the button man? 
Well, 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 I'll call you that, and I'll be, it'll be our little secret. <laughs> and he puts he puts his hand up. This is a so. Guy. So originally, they they were saying that the plan for Disney Plus was forty five days after theatrical release, the movies would end up on Disney Plus. So Shang Chi came out September third. Forty five days after September third is October eighteenth. So it seems like this is getting pushed back for more than a month. I will counter that with the fact that shang is still making money, and it's set up to become the number one movie of 2021 currently, that Disney's like, let's leave it in theaters for a little bit longer, probably just trying to keep some of that money. Uh, then I will counter with Jungle Cruise. I don't think it's making any more money at the theaters. And I want to see it in the theaters. I, I want to see it in theaters, too. I... I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've been waiting for that to be free so I could watch it again. Because now that I am, like, I know what it is, I think I'll appreciate it more on the second viewing. But I definitely don't want to pay for that second viewing. Um, no, I get there, too. Like, much like Pirates of the Caribbean, that's going to be a movie that I put on just to to enjoy as I'm doing other stuff like meal prep or cleaning. What I'm just saying, uh, what I'm trying to get at, maybe roundabout, is, okay, cool, they're going to celebrate Disney Plus Day, and they're going to put out all this cool stuff, but their two marquee things is Shang-Chi and Jungle Cruise are being released. Well, those should have been on Disney Plus already, so I don't feel like I'm getting those. I think that I should have already had those. Now, it's cool. Hey, Jeff Goldblum presents the uh, the shorts from Olaf, but I don't think that's enough to make it a Disney Plus quote-unquote day you know, I, to celebrate the two-year anniversary. I but I don't know what else they could have done. Like, other yeah. than... Like, no, I, I think you're right. I think that's probably the best way they can celebrate the second anniversary of it is by putting some of those big marquee things out. Because they've had steady streams of content coming out on it since its launch. I think the only thing that probably would have made it bigger is if they had finally announced, like, oh... Cassian's going to be out this day, or Obi-Wan, because right. I don't know how far far along they are on either one of those, but it seems like by now we've had two seasons of Mandalorian. We should have had that first season of Cassian Andor. Um, <laughs> but if they held on to <clears throat> Shang-Chi for just another month just to have it come out on that day, I can see that being the thing that maybe they're hoping that's going to be what gets people to finally sign up if they haven't previously. I mean, yeah, well, because they announced, they announced, uh, Bob Chick said that their quarterly earnings were down this past quarter because the, uh, subscription rate didn't grow as much as they expected. And they sand, they were sandbagging. Everybody kind of now assumes they were sandbagging how much they were really expecting the subscription to be at the very start. And now I think they made the adjustments to be more realistic. And now they're like, ooh, we kind of, I think they're now feeling that maybe they tapped their market. Like the people that wanted to subscribe are subscribed. And maybe that growth isn't going to be as exponential as it used to be. It's now going to be like a, a slow a slow growth plateau. Yeah. Any, any kind of stories I have to go either way on the people signing up or already signing up is going to be kind of skewed because I live in Orlando, Florida. Everyone 
I'm friends with here, I know because I worked at Disney with them. So literally everyone I know already has a Disney Plus subscription or they have access to someone else's Disney Plus subscription by just being added onto the plan. I, I don't know of anybody that's been like, oh, yeah, I haven't signed up yet. I've been meaning to get to a piece. Yes. Literally everybody I talk to on a regular basis has yeah. been uh, a member. Both of my launched. parents are members. And I think my dad has watched stuff on Disney Plus on his on his own and not with a grandchild. Then he has actually, like, watched it with a grandchild. Like... He's watched all the Marvel shows. He's watched uh, Mandalorian. I remember, like, it was, like, two months after Mandalorian had come out, and he calls me, and he's like, hey, have you seen this show? It's great. And I'm like, yeah, man, I've, I've watched, like, a lot of it twice. Like, <laughs> I've seen it. It's like, oh, that's really good. <clears throat> and then, you know, you two guys, you know, we all signed up at the same time together, and yeah. Yeah. For three years. So this anniversary is like, oh shit, you only got one year of prepaid left. Uh, <laughs> Get your mm. Hamilton watching in while you can. <laughs> you just Emmy, Emmy award winning Hamilton. Uh, my mom's on. My mom's on my Disney Plus plan, and I'll get texts from her randomly that's like, oh, I watched. You know, this thing on there. I really enjoyed it. Have you checked it out yet? So there are people that are still kind of going into that back catalog of stuff. And I think they're coming out with enough content that's fresh and new. That's going to keep those people that maybe were early adopters and are like slowly wading through it because there's whole messes of people out there that don't have to watch everything the day it comes out. Like they watch what they watch. They get home from work or school. They put on something that they know. And then eventually they'll be like, Oh, Hey, there's this what if show that's on there. I like the Marvel stuff. Maybe I should check this out. And it, it'll be a year after it had debuted. What if lost my attention so quick? Uh, today's episode, again, we're recording this on uh, September 22nd. The Party Thor episode came out. It's a lot of fun. It's probably one of my favorites. So what was the one that you kind of left off on? That's I- the second one. Really? It's just a weird... It's just a weird mashup of the old of the other movies, and I'm like, okay, it's a weird mash, mashup. It's but I'm not. I didn't like Lee either. So I think, why would I like this? I think this show is you pick and choose, and you're just like, you know what? The second episode, I'm not yeah. liking it. I don't need to watch it. It doesn't lead to anything except just entertainment, yeah. so you can move past it. Um. I kind of felt the same way with Peggy Carter. I got a little bit into it and I was like, eh, turned it off. And then a little bit later I turned it on and I finished watching it. And I was like, Hey, I really liked that. Like I liked Steve Rogers in that big mech suit. Like it, it worked, it worked for me and how they had her come back at the end. I think it's more of just, uh, you pick and choose Uh your flavor, you know? Yeah, they're all different enough, too, that just because you don't like one of them doesn't mean you might not like the rest of them. Like, uh, whatever episode number it was, because they're kind of all just a blur of whenever they came out, but Hank Hank Pym Kills the Avengers was 
like a cool episode. The zombies one was a lot of fun too. The Doctor Strange one kind of made me feel bad. Not one of my favorites, but I still think it was well done. Uh, the episode for today, What If Thor Was an Only Child, I I really dug. Like I was laughing out loud while watching it. And once I got to the end, I was like, okay, that, that kind of picked me back up because the last batch of like three or four episodes have all been very heavy, big downers, no rays of hope at the end of each one of them. Uh, and this one was kind of a welcome change or like palate cleanser for, uh, from that. Yeah, well, I watched the first two, week one, then week two. And then after that, I'm like, oh, the new one's out week three. And I'm like, I don't. And that, you know, I just right. didn't that's have right the to not care. want to go <laughs> see it. Yeah. No, no. And now you guys are saying, hey, go pick and choose. Cool. Like this Thor one sounds interesting. Marvel Zombies maybe near Halloween. I'll put that one on, you know, because Halloween-ish, and it's only 22 minutes. Like, that'll work. So, yeah. No, no, I'll, I'll kind of keep my eye open. I'll keep my mind open to it to maybe go back and actually check out one or two episodes. And yeah, just, maybe I'll hit them all up eventually. Yeah, just look at the... I don't want to say the teaser information, but, you know, just the synopsis and be like, oh, that, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah. I'm just surprised he didn't like the Star Lord uh, T'Challa one because no, I thought he was good, but it was just like this weird, like, hey, look at us doing a zany mashup of all these characters. It's like I think I yeah, think the I same thing, like a lot like, of people you know, said, especially for that episode, is why would he call himself Star Lord? Why would he, you know, like it is just kind of a mashup. It isn't just like the Ravengers picked him up and this yeah. is what he became. Like it didn't fit. It didn't fit right, you know. And I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people made that voice their opinion on that episode about that. Uh, in defense of the Star Lord thing, they like uh, the writers did come out and say like, "Oh yeah, when Ego reached out to Yandu, they gave him the the description. He's a kid. His nickname's Star Lord." And then they just picked up T'Challa and said, and also it's a cartoon based on a movie. Like it doesn't need to like hold up yeah. to too much scrutiny because <laughs> ultimately like yeah. I, I really like that episode just because it kind of spoke to T'Challa in the Marvel universe where he was kind of this light of hope and what could be. And mm. what if, Oh, anyways, uh, we didn't have a lot of other news. Uh, Literally right before we started recording, we got the announcement of the actual title for the third Fantastic Beasts and where to find the movie. Uh, and it'll be called The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, I honestly had given up on there being more of these movies. Like, I really was like, oh, are they just going to, like, divergent this and just, like, let it go? It's like, shh. I know of the divergent movies. I don't know anything about about them, so maybe, but I know... Uh, Divergent th- was three uh, three part uh, book series. The first two got made into a movie. Part three got... or the third part third book got made into a movie with a part one, and they have never went and made the part two. Gotcha, okay. Uh, I mean, previously they had been announced that the Fantastic Beast series would be five movies. They later 
kind of scaled that back to three after the underperformance of the second one, which I don't blame Warner Brothers for making that call because, yes, it is taking place in the wizarding world, but it's not Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter adjacent. Like, the only people that really care about this are going to be those diehard fans that want to get more of that universe, which, you know, I'm one of them. I don't have a problem admitting to that. But I can't see just the regular person on the street being like, oh, the eighth Harry, no, not even the eighth, like the ninth Harry Potter movies coming out. Harry Potter's not in this one, though. You want to go see it? No, like they, that's not a thing. Yeah, it's, not, it would, it's not Bond where they're all kind of standalone. It's not like a fun heist movie like uh, Best of the Best Furious. Furious. Thank you. I could not think of the name of it. I was going to say Tokyo Drift, but that was, yeah, that was one of them. Um, these movies are made for like a set bunch of people. And I'm, I'm okay with them not dragging it out for too long. Like give me a solid trilogy. I'm okay with it. I like this universe. I like these characters. Uh, someone else can talk for a second. Cause I'm going to go get my next beer because I finished this one and my tongue's drying out. I'm going to make a counterpoint to Mandalorian. You know, because Chris did just say that, hey, it's it's in the world of, but it doesn't have the... And the Mandalorian started off with, it's Star Wars, but it doesn't have the Jedi. <laughs> so it doesn't have the lightsabers. It just has this dude... There's a Mandalorian, and you're like, oh, you mean Boba Fett, because I know who Boba Fett is. And you're like, no, it's not Boba Fett. It's another dude that's a Mandalorian. And people were like, oh, shit, this is great. And now I can't go into a house that I don't see a Grogu, like, working in people's houses. Like, I'm installing security systems, and there's freaking Grogu's everywhere, and I'm like... Man, this is yeah, on I think I, thought it would. <clears throat> I think you had a fun, cute movie with the the first uh, something magic. Where to find him? Where to find him? And them. then, yeah. and people were like, "Yeah, this is kind of a palate Fantastic cleanser. Beast. It's fun. Uh, I I want to be here for this." And then you went into this whole other world where it's like another kind of dark Lord. And is he good? Is he bad? Is he right? Is he wrong? Blah, 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 blah. And then you have cool dope ass Dumbledore showing up and being like, you're my man. You're going to do it. And everyone's like, he, he's the guy I want to see in this movie. He's cool. And then he's like, bye. And then, and then it's like, Oh, he's not there. And then this guy's (laughs) running around and no, for some reason, no. Well, uh, nobody likes Johnny Depp as this character, and the kid with the snake and all of that. And well, then you're like, huh? This. It, yeah, go ahead. It, it, I'll say, in defense of that, that was during the issues that he was having with Amber Heard, where everyone was accusing him of like spousal abuse, and then it turns out that like, oh no, it. It was all just her. Um, so much to the fact that, like, he's not going to be in this movie. It's I can't remember yeah. which one of the Mickelsons. Madison? Yeah. 
uh, will be playing Grindelwald, which is fine. I don't think you need to have Johnny Depp as Gellert Grindelwald in the first one. I thought Just Folly, have it be. I thought he, um, he was Colin great. He was amazing as that villain. villain. Like that that would have been fine. Like you don't need to do a bait and switch with characters that we've never really seen before. We did see Grindelwald in like one of the flashbacks in Deathly Hollows, but that's a younger version of him. Like it could have been Colin Farrell. Anyways, it, it was fine. Um, I I like this. I've only seen the second movie once. I have it on uh, Blu-ray, but I've been holding off on rewatching it because Yanni's never seen it. And I kind of wanted to have like a Fantastic Beasts night where we get yeah, like like meat pies and just like hang out and make like some like bitters or something. It's like hang out and have like you know a Fantastic Beast. Uh, you can have some tea, man. Something like you, you know, can do like tea and fancy some or, biscuits or some gin uh, cocktails. I do not like gin. Sorry, oh, you don't like gin. It's not not my thing. Juniper. Mm, I would rethink that. I would rethink that. Then have slow gin. Yeah, I, I got no, I got nothing. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm excited for this movie to be coming out. Uh, we got a little bit of a synopsis from it, which doesn't tell us anything. Uh, the official word from Wizarding World says Profes- Professor Albus Dumbledore knows the uh, powerful dark wizard Grindelwald is moving to seize control of the Wizarding World. Unable to stop him alone, he entrusts Magizu... Oh my gosh, that's hard to say. Magizuologist Newt's commander to lead an intrepid team of wizards, witches, and one brave muggle baker on a dangerous mission where they encounter old and new beasts and clash with Grindelwald's growing legion of followers. Um, Yeah, if you had seen the second movie, that basically... You you could have written this without knowing what the actual plot was because it seems apparent that, yeah, like, this is leading up to that first great wizard war, uh, which I'm excited to see. And kind of like John had mentioned before, we're going to get more Dumbledore in this. And there's so much stuff about Dumbledore in the books that you find out about him that they don't really touch on in the movies. I hope we get to see some of that, you know, darker history of Dumbledore that, you know, is only whispered about by people that knew him. And much like how we whisper about, uh, people whisper about Dumbledore, we do not whisper about the beer we drink. Oh, no, no. We like to talk about it with each other and also shout it out to the endless void of the internet. And I am drinking the Strawberry Milkshake Indian Pale Ale from Community Beer Works. Uh, and this is 6 point Six percent, ooh, uh, alcohol by volume, and this is just a delicious, smooth, big strawberry kind of flavor, but not, but not a tart strawberry, not a sweet strawberry. It just has a strawberry essence throughout, and I'm really enjoying it. It's again, kind of a creamy, rich beer. It's, um, I'm glad to have paired it right after this uh, Oktoberfest with Pauliner. So I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Chris, what are, what did he get up to get? Uh, my next beer also, again, from Sideward Brewing. This is their Brain Radio, which is a New Zealand-style IPA. Um, John, do you know any information about New Zealand IPAs? Because everything I could see about what separates a New Zealand IPA from, you know, your typical, like, East Coast. The hops Coast are grown. The hops are grown in New Zealand hops. Yeah, yeah, that's it. New Zealand hops. Is, is that literally it? Okay. 
Um, cause everything I saw was like, oh, it's kind of a combination of like that juicy, hazy, like New England style with that West Coast. Cause it gets a little bit more on the bitter side. And trying this, I'm like, okay, like I kind of get that, like that juicy flavor. You know, it's got that nice kind of like deep, rich sweetness, but there's a little bit more like that resin on it. I need to go back and take another sip, Paul. I'm, no, I'm pretty sure what happens with a New England or a uh, New Zealand style is when you pour it into your cup, instead of swirl the the beer swirling clockwise, it actually swirls counterclockwise. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking right out of the can because oh, uh, so that we can't uh, confirm that. So behind the scenes stuff, I did dishes today, and I think I overloaded the dishwasher or I put too much detergent in there because uh, I had some water <laughs> earlier and it came out tasting kind of soapy, and I was like. Oh, everything needs to be rinsed. Can, um, maybe so give that some big swirls in the can and, and mix everything up. Because that... Um, <clears throat> I th- I thought a New Zealand IPA just mm. meant that Peter Jackson really liked it. Mm. Uh, yes. So it tastes like Taika Waititi. Mm. Um, but this is good. I really appreciate straight, this one. It's straight, you're drinking it straight from the... <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> I don't even know what you're trying to say. Uh, white TD, because it kind of sounds like titty. Oh, okay. Uh, I, drinking it straight I from see the that. white TD. Uh, it, it, I thought it was funnier in my mind, and then once you made me try I, to explain it, I realized... I'm glad you said something, because I was about I to boo it. you. <laughs> uh, this does make me say, like, okay, if I see another New Zealand IPA, I'll try it, because this is kind of that good middle point between an East Coast or a West Coast. You know, this would be your your Mimal of IPAs. Mimal, the man that lives on the map of the United States of America. Mich- oh. Really? Michigan, Illinois, Missouri. If you look at the states, like right in the middle, like Arkansas, okay. Louisiana, Mimal, that's how you remember the... It's a mnemonic for remembering the states. I'm American. Like I don't need America. to remember the names of the states. And you can't make me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't remember? Tell me two of the South Dakotas. and West. <laughs> 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 Wrong. Um, I, I dig this. Uh, again, I picked up a four-pack of it at the brewery. It's got that right amount of IPA-ness to it. Um, and... I'll go back to more New Zealand style IPAs. Like this is, this is good. Like this is nice. It's drinkable. It's crushable. I haven't checked into it officially yet. I do not know what uh, the ABV is on it, but yeah, it is really easy to uh, drink. And I'm drinking something that is really easy to drink and uh, could be trouble. And I want to let it warm up to see what flavors change. Uh, I am drinking a chilled version of KBS Cinnamon Vanilla Cocoa. Uh, this is an Imperial Sprout brewed with coffee, cinnamon, vanilla extract, and cocoa nibs aged in oak bourbon barrels. This is the third variant Founders has done of their KBS, and this is coming in at 12%. And the cinnamon on this is delicious. Oh, think. How is this? I was going to say uh, dark of the moon because talk about cinnamon, dark of the moon, but with like 
not overpowering cinnamon, but the right amount of cinnamon. Paul, this kind of reminds me a lot of Sinsanity from Weyerbacher back in the day. That was that really nice barrel-aged, okay, uh, yeah. I believe it was a barley wine um, with cinnamon. Like the cinnamon is just really well balanced. The The part that I think will ha- – will, I think the cinnamon will come out a little bit more. There's a bit of a – on the chilled glass, a little bit of an aftertaste, a real dry your mouth out. That kind of makes you want to keep going back for more. But at the same time, it's a 12% beer and you don't want to be gulping it down. So it's like, oh, I'm trying to take my time. But then at the same time, I'm like in the back of my throat. The vanilla is nice there. It It's, it's a really nice version of KBS. I definitely think the maple fudge is the best version of kbs they've done i think this would come i if i'm gonna rank the k the kbs's yes it is a it is a uh, standard in a tradition here at the big Mordcast so power ranking i i so would do, do the maple fudge kbs one regular kbs two I'm going to leave CBS out of this. Oh, I was, was going to ask. Yeah, where that was going to be All right, well, C- CBS would, would be in. third then. Mm-hmm. Then this, then the Espresso. Okay. But but here's the thing. It's just kind of like my okay. want of to drink those. Like, this isn't bad. This is very, very nice. The espresso also was very good. It just was a deeper coffee KBS. But that maple fudge is the best version of KBS there is. It really just... Mapley and fudgy KBS, it just worked. Um, this works really well. Man. Again, I haven't finished it. I need probably a little more time, maybe a second bottle to maybe put it a little higher, but... Regular KBS and CBS are just they're, they're what's what did the kids say? Bang, it slaps. It they slap. It, it slaps. But uh, much like how you want more uh, the fudge uh, maple KBS, we want more comic books. And luckily, new comic books came out. The you know on Wednesday. And the book I'm looking forward to is number two of a book we did last month for the look back. And this is Superman 78, number two. Um, I think we were all like pleasantly surprised how much we liked this book. And uh, I stole this book from uh, Paul twice. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, after those rampaging robots, Superman enlists an unli- un likely ally to crack the code behind who sent these and it's gonna be a one lex luther and uh how is it gonna pan out you you already know when he was fighting zod you can't trust luther he's gonna he's gonna stab you in the back so can he trust him are they gonna write it as good as they wrote that first one let's hope so uh, what's the guy that was like helping out 
Mr. Um, you know, he went Mr. Luthor. Oh, I want to say Otis. Otho, but Otis. 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 Otho's from uh, Beetlejuice. I just hope Otis, Otis yeah. shows up. Uh, yeah, that actor just passed away, too. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Chris, I, get us out I of Sad to, Town. I have to follow that now? Yeah, get Ooh. us out of Sad Town. Um, all right, getting out of Sad Town. It's kind of a light week for me. Not, that's not very a very good segue. Getting out of Sad Town. Yes, I got a light week not. this week. Uh, I can only work with what I'm given. And <laughs> it even turns out the book that I was looking forward to last week for the list didn't come out. So now it's coming out this week. So that could be my pick. But it said, I'm actually looking forward to Robin number six, uh, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Gelb Melkinoff. Um, this is more of Damian Wayne Robin on the island of the League of Assassins, partaking in a fighting tournament. Paul, I know you do not like Damian Wayne. You're not a fan. We- yeah, last time I read this book, Damian Wayne died. At the end of that first issue, uh, and I was like, okay, cool. Way to wrap up the story, everybody. <laughs> Let's go home. So with the the book, uh, the actual tournament can't begin until everyone's died at least once on the island. So now the tournament's officially starting uh, six issues into the book. I'm really enjoying this book, though. I feel like Joshua Williamson is doing a lot more for Damien's growth and development as a character um, than anyone else has done previously. And that's even counting in, like, the Pete Tomasi stuff, because he created the character. He's done some great stuff with Damien. But I feel like now it's Damien kind of that square peg round hole. Like, he's being forced to socialize with other people that aren't in his, like, family slash friend group. And you're really seeing him, you know, start to kind of learn and grow and I really dig that. Uh, I've always been a Robin fan, and that applies to anyone that's bared that title. And I'm happy to be buying this Robin book. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I'm pumped for this issue, as well as the upcoming Robins series that we're going to be getting in, I think, like November or December. Because, man, I love me some Robin. Paul? I did want to mention, and I forgot about this, uh, Polygon just released a uh, article, and it's the oral history of the New 52. And they uh, talked to Dandy Dio, they talked to um, Scott Snyder, and another uh, a couple of the people involved with uh, the launch of the New 52. Because, guys, September, this is the 10th anniversary of the launch of the New 52. So they seems, go back through... That seems insane, but... We reviewed all those books, like, right when we moved into the apartment. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's been ten years, and I-, I thought it was a very interesting article. I should have mentioned it in the news. I kind of forgot about it. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to go back and realize, oh, man, it's been ten years. And they talk about, like, what went right, what went wrong. And, like, we were kind of, I think we were kind of the under impression that they wanted to do it the movie relaunch or the, for the movie launches but it actually wasn't really that like they didn't realize the movies were going to hit as they were doing these like it was just like one of those 
It was just that editorial, like, we need to reboot the series and and, and start making money. Make it simple. Accessible. But they couldn't couldn't make it simple and accessible because they wanted to do... Because it's weird. It's a cool story. Dan DiDio says, yeah, they wanted to redo all the origins and relaunch everybody, but then they realized that they didn't want to do a bunch of origin stories all at the same time. So they pulled that back and then they, 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 they like so it was a bunch of Green like Lantern and like yeah. Batman, like I think two of the standouts from that relaunch were just kinda like, I don't know, what happened before happened before, like roll with it. Mm-hmm. And you had Justice League number one release, but their Superman written by Grant Morrison was happening prior to that. And yet Superman was they, uh, sorry, Grant Morrison was action comics. Superman was action. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Oh my gosh. Grant Morrison's Superman, I think, is what he was saying. You know, okay. but no, that's I'm a good, sorry, yeah. good distinction. Good distinction. Superman, because it was, was his action comics. the one? Probably. I think. And I, I do know that, um, uh, I can't think of his name now, who did uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. He used to be an X-Men writer back in the, the Kenneth. Lo, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Scott. Le, uh, Liddell. Scott Liddell. Scott Liddell, yeah. Scott. Oh. Scott Liddell took over that Superman book. It actually, I actually liked that Superman book and read it for quite a bit. Uh, so they were talking about how there was a bunch of just like these weird breaks that things didn't actually line up, but they should have, and they wanted to have a complete continuity, but they, but still nothing actually lined up and worked. Like people were like, the Grant Morrison Superman doesn't seem at all like the Scott Snyder. Justice League, or, I'm sorry, Jeff Johns Justice League with uh, Jim Lee, Superman, so. Um, but I think we got some really good historic runs out of it. I'm looking I, you, at you, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, and Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, I think there was some really good stuff that came out of that. So, when you said, like, what went wrong with that, I'm like, that was actually, like, a solid offering in comics. And there was some stuff that didn't hit or click. Um, I mean, well, I'm looking at you, Blackhawks. I'm looking at you, like Voodoo. Half, I was gonna, Grifter. Like half yeah. half of that new Fifty Two ended up falling away. Savage Hawkman, the um, the Termin- was uh, uh, Deathstroke, Deathstroke, the Terminator, yeah. and you know, like a lot of those things like fell away pretty fast. Um. Didn't they do a Challengers, the DC Presents oh, yeah. kind of book? See, I I stand by. I like that DC Presents book because it was an anthology series. So much like we were talking about before with What If, like, okay, you might not like the first two, three issues of, you know, DC Universe Presents, but hey, you know what? Coming up next month, you've got a brand new story. Like, I like that. There's no buy-in because you don't have to like be like, oh, well, is this a number one? It's okay. It might be number six, but hey, you're getting a brand new story, and if that's something you're following, cool. Like, yeah, I'll pick up like number eight if it's like a cool dead man standalone story. But that, de- but that dead man story was like five issues. That first, mm-hmm. that first series, and it shouldn't have been. It should have been one issue. And then you should have gotten like a Etrigan the Demon, and then yeah. Rawhide Kid number two, and then Challenger of the Unknown. Uh, um, this um, one, sir. Rawhide Kid is actually a Marvel book. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
what is it? Who's the who's the gunslinger? Uh, uh, Jonah Hex. No, no. Um, there's another uh, vigilante. One. Is it vigilante? Because he even I mean, was in the Justice are, League. Our gunslinger. So he, uh, he he's like at the blue shirt. The blue shirt, silver something. I I don't know. It's all right. But no, I I kind of forgot. I wanted to mention that in the uh, weekend geek. But I feel like we got a good conversation there. Yeah, and much like no, that an was anthology. that was actually interesting. And Paul, uh, where was that shared from again? Because that's something I want to check out. Polygon. Polygon. dot com. Okay. Uh, look at that. Uh, they do interviews. They do a whole breakdown. Um, and talking about anthology books, I'm looking forward to guys. They're publishing. A, they're releasing these apparently once a week, and I don't know if I'll keep up because I haven't actually read the first issue of the series. But I'm already going to pick up issue two, and that's right. It's Star Wars and Adventures. Ghost of Vader's Castle, number two. And this is following Jax. I think Jackson. Uh, the green uh, green rabbit uh, that's in the Star Wars universe. You mean Bucky O'Hare? No, no, it's Jackson. Pretty sure that's Bucky O'Hare. It might be. Just, I don't know. I uh, look, don't remember ever look, reading a Jackson comic. Look before. at him side by side. Just, You're like, oh, this is... like. The same thing done by two different studios at the same time. But continue, sir. Uh, but, yeah, he's uh, uh, living a nightmare of uh, being attacked by vicious Wookiees. Bigger than mountains, so giant Wookiees. Uh, Ghosts of Vader's Castles, which are basically uh, Tales from the Crypt in the Star Wars universe. Uh, re- released by IDW, we talked about this quite a bit last week, so I'm not going to go into it again. But, uh... Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a fun read. I'm going to pick up both issues basically today because we are recording on Wednesday. So this book just came out. Issue one just came out today. And I'm now looking forward to this book coming out next Wednesday. Time is an illusion. Don't be trapped by it. Everybody's happy. Everybody start watching Ted Lasso. And read that Polygon article about... Uh, the new 52 and tell us what you think about it you know over on our uh, facebook page and paul uh something else we got to read is a dramatic a dramatic reading reading. and now a dramatic reading from batgirl and the birds of prey number three page 11 panel four yet yet uh trust me boys she doesn't need another reason to take you all out. And that was a dramatic reading from Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number three, page eleven, panel four. And fun, I honestly, fun thing about that book, Paul, uh, in the back of it, because you know DC always had their kind of like wrap up, like, hey, here's something else you should look forward to. Uh, there was an advertisement for Legends of Tomorrow season two on the CW. Wow. Honestly, Chris, when he said there was something else we had to read, I thought you were throwing it to me, and I thought I had to pick a uh, because I forgot that you picked the dramatic reading already. So I was like going to frantically look for something, <laughs> and then luckily you started introducing it, and I'm like, "Oh right, 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 right." But that, that's okay, Paul. It happens. Yeah. I mean, we've had a little bit of a pause. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. things happen when we're recording. Uh, but Paul, the only thing I want to hear you having to read right now. Is the name of your next beer? 
Ooh, I haven't poured it. I haven't drinking any of it. Well, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to save it for later in the episode because it is the Dragon's Milk Reserved uh, Salted Caramel. Mm. Uh, that's a good one. one. So, because John picked up, uh, you know, a uh, KBS that sounded amazing. I couldn't find it at my local beer store, so I picked this up <clears> instead. <throat> but I'm still really enjoying this uh, milkshake strawberry uh, Indian Pale Ale. What are you guys drinking? Uh, I just want to say my wife doesn't like stouts, doesn't like barrel-aged beers. She doesn't like stouts. Why is she married to you? Oh, burn. Got him. I'm sorry. Was that mean or was that funny? It was funny. Okay. Uh, I want to check in. But I gave her a sip of the KBS cinnamon vanilla, and she was like, ooh, I like that. Oh, the cinnamon. You really get the vanilla. So just want to say KBS cinnamon vanilla. Even stout dislikers like it. Uh, I'm I'm finishing with this beer. It's twelve percent. I don't feel like I need okay. to knock back another beer. I might though. Once we get into the movie talk, who knows? Uh, I'll see if I have a lighter uh, beer to to have. That's okay. Um, side conversation after we recorded the last episode. Um, you guys can listen to it. It's available now, wherever you're listening to this one. Go check it out. Um, while we were having our friend, like, wrap-up talk, I drank the three Bud Light hard seltzers. The uh, rest of my night was a blur. Like, it, it happens. Oh, that's the planned one. Um, you know, sometimes you record a podcast, and then the next day you don't remember you recorded a podcast. Get those, those flex... Of remembrance, though. Uh, much like with my beer, also from Sideward Brewing, I have their Smoothie. Yes, not smoothie, but Smoothie. There's no H in it. Mm. Uh, and this is a Berliner Weiss with mango, banana, and pineapple. Uh, so it's got a lot of like those fruit flavors in there. And this is really nice. It definitely hits all of that, like, that dark stone fruit with the mango. You get that kind of like nice like mealy banana. You get that like citrus pop from the pineapple. This is really, really good. But drinking it makes me want to have one of those ellipsis fruit by the dot, dot, dot beers because this is similar to the mango banana, but it has uh, that it's not pineapple as in it. And it, it's just not as good. And it's hard to compare that to this because it's not supposed to be the same kind of thing but drinking this but it is really, it is it is but it's, it is. it's not because like literally this is called smoothie but that fruit by the from ellipsis is literally like a smoothie it's just like so rich and fruity and it's a smoothie it's almost like drinking like a, uh, I don't know if this is the right thing to compare to because I don't drink them but almost like a frappuccino from Starbucks because it's like that thick kind of like icy crispy drink. But on your birthday, you're signed up to the Starbucks I am not reward. signed you up go for any the like, extra large one, and you get it free for your birthday, right? No, I don't do like, I don't do that stuff. I don't. I hate getting emails. The fact that I get emails from work to my personal email bothers me, and I never have any emails from any listeners. Bag and broadcast. Uh, at gmail.com. Email us, please. Uh, but this oh, is... It's, 
really it's, good. Paul, just so you can imagine this, it's like having a froth yeah. lollipop Mm-hmm. And then somebody else going, this is the best smoothie beer, and you drink it and go, no, it's not. I've had a lollipop. What are you talking <laughs> right. about? I'm kind of over the smoothie beers, though. Like, I think milkshake is about as far as I want to go down that line. When I see smoothie now, I'm like, okay, it's cool. I would get it in a plate. But for the full 16 ounces, it's a little much. I can I can understand. I can see where you're coming from, Paul. I would want to split it with people. I I prefer to do that with these beers. But every once in a while, you have one, and you're like, no, I I want all of this. When I was at Ellipses with Chris, they had this melon sour. Yeah. It was pulpy, and it was like, nope, I, I, want, I want this. And the mango, uh, the mango banana is... Freaking delivers like I we still have like I think one each in there. Caitlin's been like, wow, I'm surprised you waited been, on that. Well, one, I didn't buy them for me; they're for her. But she's like, oh, we're going to go have a picnic. What am I bringing? I'm bringing you two of these, and I bring them, and I and she and she drinks them. But she's like, I I don't want I don't really want more than one. So in your same vein, Paul, like you're not going to drink like a whole four pack of them, but. She just wants one. Maybe she'll have two, but they're seven percent. We had them at my dad's birthday party. We, you, you know, you try. I think you tried one or two of them. Yeah, tried. Yeah, I think I took a sip or two. Yeah, uh, I was on call, so I don't think I. Well, maybe I drank one. But um, hey, we drank some Miller Lights that day, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, because I was trying to stay hydrated. If, like Chris was saying, like with it being like a frappuccino, it's this very specialty thing. Yeah. You have it on your birthday. You have it during Halloween when they have that very special, like, oh, it's a zombie or it's a drink, a Dracula's bite, like weird Starbucks drink. It's not something that you go into the bar day in, day out and get. Yeah. Right? Is that what you're saying? I, I, w- I would agree. Um, if my biggest complaint about this beer is like, oh, this is really good, but it reminds me of this amazing knockout beer that's like kind of limited for the brewery that does it and as soon as they put it out there like they sell out i that's not a bad thing like this is really good um it it hits on all the notes that it promises on the label um but man this makes me want to go to ellipsis and drink more of their amazing fruitful beers because yeah fantastic but Paul, when talking about my beer, you kind of gave a like subtle like teaser review for your beer. So what are you drinking? No, I still haven't actually start, started drinking it. I'm still enjoying my milkshake strawberry oh. from Community. I beer thought Works. that was. I'm sorry. I, I thought that I was did your next pour beer. It. I did pour it, but I still have the dragon's milk. It is poured. It is. It is in the glass. It's ready to go. But Chris, I thought about you. Because on Monday Funday, Kate and I went out to a uh, mini golf place that also has a ice cream parlor, like ice cream stand, uh, connected to it, and they are providing. Uh, they're calling them flurries, but you guys can all guess at what it is. It's a blizzard yeah. made with the uh, Halloween monster series. Oh, it's the best time of the year. Best time of the year. You can get Count Chocula. 
blueberry or frankenberry mixed in with a vanilla custard as a uh, blizzard style, aka flurry. And I was tempted to get that. Ooh, so I knew I knew the end of the story was you didn't get one. Uh, I knew it. Well, because they had a cherry Dole Whip twisted with a vanilla custard, so I went with that, and I got the spooky sprinkles, which are that very dark purple, mm. right? That that color, that very like neon greenish, uh, and an orange. I like color. that you're telling us, but we didn't see the sprinkles. But you know, you guys, can I like that he's like, focusing the on the sprinkles. Candy, you know. <laughs> the Halloween kind of colors, huh. and you can kind of understand it. No, but I'm telling and asking because you know I'm. I don't know. No, uh, <laughs> of the monster cereals, Count Chocula is by far my favorite. But if I yes. was able to have like a blizzard, or I'm sorry, a flurry, flurry. It, I think I would have to go with like the Frankenberry or Booberry because I think just that like they would go better. Yeah, in that whatever berry ice would cream just go adding. better with an ice cream. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I would actually see if they could mix the Frank and the Boo together in my flurry. Why not, right? Double berry. Double berry. Double berry. You're asking quite a bit. It's like asking for suddenly to have, instead of just, just want to say, one superhero, having <laughs> two superheroes in the sequel. Much like an Ant-Man and suddenly a Wasp. Uh, this goes along with this. I always love sure. when we do a segue heading us into the next segment, but one of us is like, no, I had this thing I'm going to say, so... <laughs> I'm going to say this anyways. I'm a, I'm a tubby I'm a tubby guy. I, I'm a little bit of a fat boy. Uh, when I was a teenager, I used to love mixing, like, Count Chocula with, like, Cuckoo Cocoa Puffs. Like, I would mix two chocolate cereals together and eat them. I don't. I don't get. That's the, half the reason I'm a fat kid. I don't get the point but of that. My, I, I what know. A, what I'm a, thinking what's back. A ritzy on, boy. I'm thinking back on it. Like, oh, it's just crazy. Why would I do that? <laughs> but I liked it, and I did it. Because would he ever open up two boxes of cereal at the same time now? Because I hear that, and I'm like, that's a height of decadence. <laughs> you are living in Sodom and Gomorrah right now. This is crazy talk to open boxes of cereal. One, I'm not allowed to have cereal anymore. I have a wife who only eats <laughs> eggs for breakfast and doesn't understand cereal. So good. Two, we usually never have – we never had milk in our house until we started having – we had a child, and we have to feed a kid milk because they need the calcium. Uh mm. But also now, if I brought home cereal, I'd have to share it with my two-year-old. And what, you think I'm gonna? You think my wife's gonna allow me to have sugar cereal given to the kid? You should have seen the look I got when I gave him a cookie today. Like, it's, uh, it's General Mills. It's fortified with vitamins and minerals. You give him a handful. Yeah. He gets some bat marshmallows in there. He's, There's he's more fine. iron in that than you're going than that kid's going to eat for the rest of the day. Oh, he he takes it. That kid gets an iron pill every morning. I get an iron pill every well every night because you know for my tum tums. Um, to, to back to what John was saying, the closest I've been to mixing like two chocolate cereals is I would eat a bowl of Count Chocula and then I would use the same milk for my next bowl of Frankenberry. Because it just it just worked. It, it makes sense. The only time I've ever mixed two cereals is because I was left with like two or three of the frosted mini wheat minis, 
like two or three. That's all that was left in the box. And then I'm like, well, screw this. I open up the new box because we were a one cereal box at a time household. When I got my first job working at a Wilson Farms, that's right. I'm dating myself and also putting myself in a geographic. Yeah, you're you're succumbing to a region at that point. I'm pretty sure we've said we live in Buffalo many times. But still, uh, I... One of the things I would do with my paycheck was buy myself a sugary cereal that, you know, my parents would never buy us and then get very upset that my little brother would wake up extra early. The guy would sleep in all the time, except when I brought home that sugary cereal and just open it up and start pouring himself bowl after bowl. Like he would eat two bowls of it for breakfast and I'd be like, dude, that was my cereal. I bought it. I I do think I've had the moments where it's like, oh, I have a little bit of like Captain Crunch left. Oh, it's not enough for a full bowl. What do I got? Oh, tricks. Let me pour that in there. So okay. I guess that's probably more cereal science than I remember. Mm-hmm. All right. Top, it's kind of like top, the dumb dumb. Top, top three favorite cereals. Okay. Um, okay. I can, I can probably go right off the top here because again, Count Chocula, my number one. I don't buy cereal ever, but as soon as it becomes monster cereal season, you best believe I'm getting a box of Count Chocula. Uh, number two, it's kind of basic, but Honey Nut Cheerios, something about it just, it hits right. It slaps, as the kids say. The first couple bowls, because now that you're living and kind of living, you know, you're living with one other person or something like that, like the end of that box, because you can't buy that box now, like without being it being huge, like, it gets stale quick, and it's no longer as good. Like, that first couple bowls, the first couple days of it, awesome. Two weeks in... Cheerios is kind of stale to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks in, man, that thing turns, and you're just kind of like, ugh. And you're just working. You're just powering through. Uh, Who's got cereal I for will, two weeks? That's that's a long time. Like, I mean, <laughs> I swear... I, that's how long it takes for me to get through a I could be wrong, but I feel like boxes of cereal have gotten smaller since, you know, I was a kid. But they again, have, except for Honey Nut Cheerios and Cheerios. It, those things. I feel like... Because they're now family size. I still get maybe, like, four, five bowls out of a box of cereal. Like, just like your standard, uh, standard box. Uh, but my number three, and this is because this was, like, the sweet cereal I was allowed to have as a kid. I don't even know if they still make it, but Kicks... I don't think. Do they they still make kicks? I don't think they make kicks anymore. I don't know. Um, That was like my sweet cereal because my mom would normally just buy like. And it's not a sweet cereal. It is. It's sweetened with corn. Like that was like their big thing. (laughs) But it's like every third piece is sweet Uh, and is like lazed. If I had to like time machine back to when I was young, uh, my favorite cereal was Kaboom. Ooh. Uh, it, it was, I don't remember anything about it, but I feel like it was just kicks and it had marshmallows in it and it had a cloud on the box. And I remember the first time I had it, I ate so much of it. The next day I pooped green and I was scared and <laughs> I made my aunt come into the bathroom. And I was like, I'm sick. And she's like, oh, no, just cause of the shit you ate. <laughs> a real free story, guys. Just to let you know, Chris, that just happened to Kate. <laughs> she got 
she, when we went, I got the spooky, uh, spooky sprinkles. She got a re- blue raspberry dip, and it turned her poop like a bluish green. Uh, I mean, this is a <laughs> year ago, but at the one bakery that they have at Disney Springs, they do like specialty like mini cakes, depending on like holidays or movie releases. And last year they had like a Halloween hocus pocus black flame candle like mini cake. And uh-huh. Yanni and I split it, and like literally the next day, poop was like purple and green. I was like, "That's what I get for eating all that fondant." <laughs> like, it's just normal now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, at least you remember, and it's not like, "Oh my goodness, do I need to get a colonoscopy?" No, oh my gosh! Like, I, it's one of those weird memories that sticks in your head from being a kid. Like, I remember being. In the bathroom at my grandmother's house, because my aunt lived there at the time, mm-hmm. with its, like, black tile shower, like, blue and silver wallpaper, and just, like, being afraid for my well-being as a child. <laughs> like, this, this isn't I'm right. I'm dying. This color should not come out of me as a person. Uh, you turn into a troll. <laughs> that bright green. Uh, my number one, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, that's a good one too. Um, not to say, not to segue. I'm not a big fan of the cereal, but that coffee creamer that they have—that's one of my go-to's. Like, it's so good. Uh, Fruity Pebbles. I love Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, that's a good one too. The first two bites, because I just recently had. I have one more box of Fruity Pebbles down in the basement. I just finished off before this box that I'm working on right now, a box of Fruity Pebbles. The first two bites are amazing, but once it gets too saturated with milk, you're just kind of like scoop, trying to scoop out the Fruity Pebbles, and you're getting more milk than pebbles. At least in my experience. Uh, Maybe you got a better way to eat it. Within this past year, they did have a Fruity Pebbles coffee creamer that came out. Uh, for its birthday. Super, super good, too. Um and also, super friend of the show, Janet, was just in Orlando this past week, too, and we met up for one day at Disney Springs. Uh, it, I gotta check her uh, credentials. Did she buy us? She has. Okay. And she was on an episode. She, she was a, on the oh, uh, Harry Potter and... She made Butterbeer with us did. on that episode. Yeah. Uh, she was on a couple right, episodes, because so. she was on Bad Beers of the World, too. That's right, yeah. So she, she's definitely a super fan. Uh, and the then show. she gave me the seltzer thing I had last week, too, off the show. But um, <laughs> when we were just talking about what she was doing on the rest of her vacation, because she was here with her husband and then, like, some of their friends, they were going to Hollywood Studios for Galaxy's Edge the next day. And I was like, when you go there, you need to get the popcorn that they have at Katsaka's Kettle. And John, when you came down, it was actually closed, so we couldn't get this. But they have a popcorn mix that tastes like fruity pebbles, but it's spicy. It's mm. knockout. Like, it's so good. And she sent me a picture because she did take me up on my recommendation, and she loved it. Um, but yeah, spicy fruity pebbles. And John, until you mentioned it, I forgot that this was... This is in my honorable mentions. This would probably be like my number four or five cereal. And then uh, I'm going. I'm going for a crazy one here. I love Raisin Bran. I love the the. I don't like. See, I, you could. 
So you couldn't get me to eat raisins? You can't eat a raisin. And yet... You could have given um, me a raisin normally. You put it with that bran cereal with a little sugary raisin? I, mean, I don't know. I, I got, feel like it got me there. I feel like that's just probably maybe something that carried over mm. from, like, going to your grandmother's. And, like, she had raisin bran. So you're like, oh, raisin bran. But, like, no. You no. eat it and, like, oh. Honey like, Nut Cheerios at that house. Oh, my, she, she was right. I don't know. Well, it, was like my gran- like it was my cereal, grandfather, like, but, yeah. There's the right amount of sweetness to that. Like, it's... It hits right. Um, what was the other one that was kind of like that? That had like, like the dried cranberries and bran in it. Special the, K. The two, no, it was like the sun was the mascot with like the two scoops. That's two scoops of the raisin. That's raisin bran. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking. Yeah, they might. Maybe they probably like added version. other other things to it. But yeah, those are my three. I don't know. I like these of raisin bran. That's weird. Kate really likes just bran flakes. Like, that's her go-to cereal. She thought she liked honey, honey nut Cheerios. So she, like, I started <clears> eating <throat> cereal just because giving blood, I need to get my uh, iron up and fortified. Um, fortified cereals is a great way to get your iron up. So I started buying cereals. So she started eating cereal and we were eating cereal together. So And then she bought a whole bunch of Honey Nut Cheerios because she thought, oh, it's a, it's a, it's the one she likes that she thought was healthy. And then she realized she didn't actually like eating cereal in the morning. So there was a bunch of these, you know, two packs of it. And she realized that her favorite cereal is actually Bran Flakes. And I'm like, I'm so glad she bought a whole bunch of onion cereal and not uh, Cheerios and not Bran Flakes. Because I would be miserable and I would not eat cereal if that was the case. Yeah, but can't um, but you my guys, couldn't you, couldn't you guys just have your own cereals? Well, I do now because she doesn't eat cereal. Okay. But before, but when you she had her bran flakes, were you just having to eat those? Because you were like, oh, it's the cereal that's open, it, and I only allow open. one cereal <laughs> open in one my box. House. But you, no, could, no, uh, you could just open a second box and be like, that's your box, this is my box. And actually, that's what we did. We did have two separate <laughs> right, boxes. Okay. But Paul, did you have but your name written when, on it? Or with like a post-it I'm note? Saying, no, what I'm saying, though, is then Kate gave up on eating cereal in the morning because she didn't actually like it. And then there was all the cereal in the house. So therefore, I was eating cereal. I would have to... You, you can't just waste it. And so I was eating it. Um, and that's why I probably got turned off from Honey Nut Cheerios because I ate like three boxes of that. And I think, you know, I think they kind of went on me as I was eating those boxes. Uh, so my top three. Uh, frosted shredded wheat, the minis filled with berry. Oh, my God. Do they still make those? We've had this conversation. Every once in a while. I know we've we, had this conversation have, okay. before on the show. We've had this conversation. It's my favorite cereal of all time. It's like called Benefuls or... Crave? Uh, something. I think that's it. No, no Crave no. has like the dried fruit. It's chocolate. It. Yeah. And it's not shredded mini wheat. Okay. It's, it's something completely different. It's frosted mini wheat filled with like strawberry or blueberry. And they, that, they came in the variety. Every once in a while, I'll pick up the box and I'll be like, yes, it's this. And then it's like touch of strawberry. And it's just that the frosting's like flavored with strawberry. And that's not it. That is not it. 
I don't mind frosted mini wheats on their own, but the ones that are berry filled, boom, knocked out of the park, home run to the next galaxy. Like that's how far this thing. But here's the thing: the thing with shredded wheat, though, is is you have to let it soak certain amount of time in the milk. But yes. then you it's have a short inverse. window. You have a short window to eat it before it's like, oh, this is too soggy. Uh, so it is the exact inverse of the uh, my problem with uh, the fruity pebbles. <clears throat> I'm gonna fruity pebbles. I gotta have just it's a short window of like as it touches the milk. Then it gets too soggy real quick. I'm sorry, Chris. What were you no, going to say? I was going to throw this out there. Do they still make the original shredded wheat where it was like the brick? Oh, yeah, wheat? I'm sure they do. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's too much of an investment grandpa. for people now to like, have this like the pillow-shaped brick of wheat that you would put like one you, in your cereal you, bowl. You put one in there and you break it up and make it into lots of little ones. Is that still a thing? Can I... I might have to go search for that and then a bottle of bullseye barbecue sauce and just be like, yeah, I'm eating like eight-year-old Chris again. Well, if you've watched Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso has one of those in episode one or two. Bullseye barbecue sauce? Or shredded wheat? Actually, he he references bullseye barbecue sauce in season two and eats shredded wheat, a giant brick of shredded wheat in season one. I remember shredded wheat, my grandfather eating it, and it came in like the like silver packet that like Pop Tarts comes in. And he, he ripped it open, put it in there, and then he heat water, and then put like tea hot water on top of it, and that's how we ate it. He didn't break it up. He like, I'm like, it sounds this is. This is, it sounds disgusting. This is watching the Great Depression in real time. It sounds disgusting. This, is, um, this might <laughs> be, again, to circle back to Paul's working at uh, Wilson Farms, apparently the shredded hey. wheat factory was in Niagara Falls, New York in 1905. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just Googled it to see if they still made it. Hey, Chris, make fun of Wilson Farms what all you want, but they have what you need, and they have it right now. Um. Or they have what you want and they have it right now? I don't know. You work uh, there. I don't know their tagline. That was a slogan. Ooh, in 1954, it moved to Naperville, Illinois, though. Boo. And that's when Nabisco sold it to uh, Kraft General Foods. Anyways. So Paul, Wilson Paul, Farms you're number two. was a convenient... Wilson Farms was a convenience store. Or as some people like to call them, a bodega. Uh, my number two would be Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's an all-time favorite. It's one of the best. The milk that you get after oh. eating the cereal oh. is so good. It's just all around perfect cereal. No matter you get it dry, it's still good. You get a little too soaked, still good. It's got that, it's just one of those weird cereals that no matter the milk consistency to it, it's perfect. you're good. It's perfect. You're happy with it. Why is my number one? It's perfect. Um, and then my number three, it's been discontinued. They thought they could get rid of it, but we brought it back. And then they discontinue it again. And then we brought it back again. That's right. It can't die. It is Oreo O's. <laughs> Such a great sticker up from Post. They keep on taking it away from us, and we keep on dragging it back from the dead. Oh, it's, it's so sugary. So over the top. So good. Uh, it is... 
there's no reason to eat Oreos for breakfast. See, but I do. It, uh, okay, I okay. Eat Oreos in the freezer. The egg, Oreo cookies in the freezer. <clears> and every once in a while, I just you know, freeze and I have one or two of those with my breakfast. You know why? Because I don't care. I'm a wild man. Oreos for breakfast. Let's go. <laughs> See, I didn't like the cereal. I was disappointed by the cereal because I was like, this is nothing like Oreos. I want an actual, like, mini Oreo cookies in my bowl and eat them that way. I think they get that burnt chocolate from the, you know, the Oreo cookie. doesn't taste like <clears throat> chocolate chocolate. It tastes like a burnt chocolate, the Oreo top cookie. I think they get that flavor in the oil so good. <coughs> All right, so before we head into the main topic. Honorable uh, mention? I don't know. Honorable butter mention. Yeah, yeah, Favorite yeah. Reese's peanut butter. I, that's a good cereal. I'm sorry. Uh, you I got, can't get it. I listen two beers. That Oreos or, is discontinued? Yeah. Uh, the Reese's pop, the Reese's ones are good. It was, it's, it's up there. Uh, favorite cereal that everybody else has probably forgotten. Uh, my example would be Urkel O's. It was basically Fruit Loops, but it was just the or, uh, orange and yellow ones. My my grandmother, I used to sleep over at my grandmother's house on Friday nights, and that was kind of like, hey, we're just going to buy a bunch of shit for you to eat overnight, and then, you know, someone else can deal with you on Saturdays type thing. And mm-hmm. part of our Friday night tradition was watching TGIF on uh, ABC. And at that time, they had... The Family Matters, Steve Urkel influenced Urkelos cereal, uh, and that was just like fun for me because, again, as I said, the only sweet cereal I was allowed to buy would be Kix. So having something special and themed to my evening at my grandmother's house was like super exciting. So yeah, I fucking loved me some Urkelos. Uh, Cookie Crisps, the mini. Chocolate chip cookies. Oh, cereal. yeah. I'm eating uh, Chips Ahoy cookies uh, breakfast cereal right now from Post, and it's decent. Yeah. I'm guessing it's like Chips Ahoy. I haven't had just or uh, Cookie you, Crisps. Cookie Crisp. I don't think I've ever had that. You used we, to have the commercial with the Cookie Crook. Cool. Yeah. And then, Crisp. And then all of a sudden he and got a dog sidekick with him, and then all of a sudden they got rid of the Cookie Crook. And it was just the dog, and it didn't make any sense to me. And I was like, I'm no longer going to buy this cereal, and then the cereal doesn't exist anymore. Uh, no, it still exists. It's still out there, except now, instead of Cookie Crook or the dog, it's now a wolf that howls. Oh. Like, it's it's still there. It's like a gray wolf. It kind of looks like Wile E. Coyote, <clears throat> in a way, but... Well, that's sad. This it's still there though if you if you need it, it's there for you. Well, my what my number one is that cereal that nobody remembers because John sent me a link for a Pop Tart cereal that I still haven't tried. I don't even remember doing that, so I don't I don't know if it's still around. But, yeah, who knows? But those Pop Tart cereals, those Pop Tart bites, would look like regular sized Pop Tarts if you were Ant Man. <laughs> Much like in the movie Ant-Man and the Wasp that we're reviewing tonight during our great Marvel movie retrospective. 
That's a movie, uh, which is the 20th part of our great Marvel movie retrospective that we do as part of our main topics here. Um, talked about it at the front of the show. Man, at this point, we've had 20 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that we've talked to. Uh, looking back on them, knowing what we now know about everything that would come after. And it's kind of scary that this movie came out in 2018 because it doesn't feel that long ago, but at the same time, yes, it definitely was. That's kind of scary. More so than any other movie that we've talked about, I think, because this is where it starts to get real, because we're really catching up now. Yeah, This was not on Disney Plus when it first launched, right? Like, it hit Netflix first? Um, Like, this is one of those weird ones, I think, where we had Ant-Man on Disney Plus, but not and Man on the Wasp on Disney Plus. Now we can watch it on Disney Plus. Truth. Um, yeah, this is. I have to say, I would never watch this movie in this order ever again. And when you say this order, like, you I will mean, like, always chronologically I, for a release. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will always watch this before Avengers: Infinity War. It's not like the end credit scene is a surprise or a shock to me anymore. And it wasn't even a surprise or a shock to me when I watched it in theaters. And even if we had that post-credit scene, if this movie came out before Infinity War, do you guys think it would spoil Infinity War? Or do you think everybody would be like, oh, what what the hell happened? I think it would have spoiled it. Yeah. My thing is, though, I don't care about watching these movies in order now. Like, after right. I've seen them, it's just what I'm in the mood for. So if I'm in the mood to watch Endgame, I'll watch Endgame. I don't need to watch Infinity War before it. I don't need to watch Captain America the First Avenger and then Civil War. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I-, I can watch it whenever I want. So, granted, I totally understand like somebody who wants to do that mm-hmm. and the way these movies were released where it falls but <clears throat> this movie feels like it picks up right after civil you know right after civil yeah, war civil war mm-hmm. that's where i would put it and i would say when i saw this movie i've seen this movie twice i saw it in the theater when it came out and when i walked out i was like that's okay like, that was all right. When I watched it again just recently, I was like, I'm having a lot of fun with this movie. Mm-hmm. I like this movie. I know where it's going. I know what's going to happen. And I'm just going to really be in there and, and, and like this movie. And I did. I enjoyed this movie. I might put this movie above Ant-Man number one. Uh, I'm... Right alongside you guys, this movie is probably the least amount of notes I've taken for anything else that we've talked about for Great Marvel Movie Retrospective. Because, yes, it does take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It does pick up after Civil War, uh, and it leads into the end of Infinity War. Like, So there is like a black-and-white part of the MCU where this does take place, but pretty much stands well enough on its own. Like, if you've seen Ant-Man, or even if you haven't, like, there's enough 
kind of context given to you that you can jump into this movie and just have fun with it. And much like the original Ant-Man, which uh, came out right after Age of Ultron, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp definitely sits kind of as a palate cleanser after the heaviness and loss that you suffer uh, in Avengers Infinity War. So this is fun to watch after that, but on its own, like I think this movie just stands as like a good, entertaining movie. And it did $627 million at the box office, because I looked that up because I was curious. Uh, who, who, who would have thought? I think it's. I think they. I think this film. Whoa! Go ahead. You guys are go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. So Paul. in sync. I think this film suffers from not having a great villain. Yes. Ghost is. She's she's a villain that you can relate to and understand, but you're never rooting against her, and I'm never really rooting for her either. Uh, and then, Giant Man. Um, uh, uh, yellow jacket, um, Mor- Mor- Morbius, Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Finch Fishburne. Uh, I forget his uh, Bill Goliath. Foster Goliath. Bill Foster. There we go. Uh, again, that's a guy that I'm not rooting for, and I'm not really rooting against either. And then we got the mafia guy that just wants his money, and I'm rooting against him, but he's not. As fun or likable as um, Hammer and Iron Man, yeah, Justin Hammer. There's no reason like, this couldn't just... be and shouldn't be Justin Hammer. Yeah. It um, should be. Yeah, well, th- that's something that then, then, we, other I think than we might get into down the road. But I think you're right because this movie does not have an actual villain. It's more antagonists that are just kind of working against everybody. Um, there's mm-hmm. no like. Big bad. There's no terrible fate of the universe rests in their hands. Like this is very much just a case of trying to keep people's technology out of the hands of someone else, and meanwhile they're trying to save uh, Hope's mother. And I think that kind of small scale works so well, especially when you're juxtaposing it against something like Infinity War. Like they went big on that one, and this one they're going much more small, but it works to this movie's benefit because, yeah, there's no like huge stakes here, but I do care about and love everybody that's in this movie. Mm-hmm. And my... The, the thing I have to ask is, name an Ant-Man villain. Yeah. Uh, you got Yellow Jacket? From the first movie. Yeah, from the first movie. <laughs> E- 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 I'm sure the beetle probably the uh, sure apart. no I don't, sure. <laughs> I don't know uh, but yeah he's, like, he doesn't have a roster uh, he doesn't have a roster of villains that you go oh that's his villain and even Yellow Jacket isn't his villain it isn't Scott Lang's arch nemesis it's a a villain again it was to keep that technology away from somebody who's going to use it for evil. And it fits with how they set up the world for this character. He's not, he's not a superhero. It's I'm, I'm glad you thought of me to do your superhero battle 
at this airport, you know, like he's not, he's not this big overarching, like I'm a superhero. I have these villains. I have this Mm -hmm. history. His history is his ex-wife and her new husband are rooting for him and they don't want Mm -hmm. the FBI to keep messing with him. Like the things that are as his history are the things that are charming about this movie and they feel like I feel like they got that right and they figured out like Paul Rudd what is he charming people yeah. love him uh, they found out really fast that uh, his part business partner and the guy that picked him up in the van like he's charming people really like him they love the the other two crew crew members with him like mm-hmm the people are super like Michael Pena. Yeah. The, the the characters in this movie are very likable. And Paul Rudd goes perfectly against uh, Michael Douglas in this movie. He's juxtaposed to Evangeline Lilly in this movie where she's really good at being the wasp. And he's still struggling to be well, Ant-Man. <laughs> to like... I don't want to drop my head too much, but there's even moments where when you have Scott in the van with Hank and they're watching uh, Hope, you know, take apart the people. And he's like, oh, she's got like blasters and wings. You didn't you didn't have that for me. And like Hank comes like, no, we did. (laughs) Just, (laughs) Just didn't want to give it to him. There's a lot of fun in this movie. And. To kind of circle back to, like, even the people that they're going up against with um, Walter Goggins as Sonny Birch, like, he's just like that consummate Southern gentleman, like, that's working for someone else that's the big bad. And you don't see who that is. There's no payoff to it. And that's something that I'm really hoping that we get to eventually in the MCU, whether it's something that pops up in the upcoming Quantumania or even something else down the road. Everybody in this movie is just so likable. Even, you know, Sonny Birch's goons that are coming at him with the truth serum. And he's like, it's not truth serum. It's not truth serum. (laughs) Sounds like a truth serum. Like, (laughs) there's so much fun to this movie. And that's part of why I don't have a lot of notes. Because sitting down and watching this, yeah, there's references to that greater Marvel universe in here. But for the most part, like, you can just sit down and watch this movie and have fun with it. Because it does feel more like a comedy with superhero elements than it does some of the other stuff that we've had with something like Iron Man or Guardians of the Galaxy where it's more that superhero with comedy. And even um, Ray Park as the FBI agent. Like, yeah, so good. He's so Randall good. Park. He's, Randall Park. I'm sorry. Ray, Ray Park's Darth Maul. Yeah, I knew it didn't, it didn't feel right when I said it, but it felt right. It was a person. With him trying to do the whole... Uh, oh, Paul! <laughs> yeah. Paul just did the card trick. It was fantastic. Yeah. It, Thank you. You got me. I was like, how did he do How did he do that? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I looked online and just... And uh, saw you went to close-up... Randall Park was Close-up magicuniversity.com. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, again, he's another person that is super likable, and... When he showed up in WandaVision, I was I was ecstatic. I was happy. And then, as everyone said, like when he did the card trick, 
it was just a great callback to this movie. And I, when I sat down and watched this movie again, and I watched this movie a couple of weeks ago, and it was just that, oh, I got nothing to do. I'm going to throw this on. It's our next movie we're going to review. And I had so much fun with the movie. And I was like, I wasn't expecting it. Because when I walked out of that first theater experience, I was kind of like, yeah, that was all right. But again, I had just just saw Infinity War. I just saw all my superheroes die. And then it's like, oh, you're going to give me this fun movie? I'm not ready for this. But today, two weeks ago, I was ready for this. I was like, I watched it, and I was like, I wanted to text you guys and be like, this guy, this movie is so fucking good. I'm loving it right now. Like, And I just was like, eh, I watched that movie. It was pretty good, guys. Like, I really had a lot of fun with this movie. And yeah, the stakes aren't the end of the world, yeah. but the stakes are important to the characters in this movie. Yeah, it's not the Bringing end of the world, but even in Scott's case, like he kind of gets brought along on this and this could possibly be the end of his world because he's, you know, three days out from finishing up his sentence. And if he gets caught with uh, Hank and hope, like he could be put away, like he could be going to prison for 20 years, which is going to take him away from his daughter. And like you said, his ex-wife and her new husband, which I have a whole section in my notes about how great this movie is with that family dynamic, because this is probably the most functional movie or sorry, functional family we have in any of the Marvel cinematic universe movies. And growing up as a kid of the eighties and nineties, where it's that like, Oh, stepdad's bad. Like coming into it. And it's like, no, I uh, don't remember his name. I have it pulled up here. Uh, Bobby Cannavale's character, uh, Maggie's new husband, where is she? Uh, Paxton. You shouldn't like him because he's set up to be that antithesis of what Scott's supposed to be in the first Ant-Man movie. Because he's a cop? Because he's the cop. Like, Scott's like the crook. But seeing him alongside, like, Mm -hmm. getting in on those group hugs, they're like, oh, no, like, he's here for Maggie. He's here for Cassie. He's here for Scott. Like, he doesn't wish ill upon anybody. He's just alongside this family now. And it's, it's so heartwarming. Like... He shows up at Scott's house when the police barge in because, you know, Scott tripped the perimeter sensor with his ankle brace. And, like, he's, like, trying to talk down his wife and be like, you can't just walk in here. He's like, oh, actually, they can. You need a warrant. like, no, they don't. Like, it's trying to be that <laughs> voice of reason. Uh, yeah. And I do – I love that moment when it's all the sleight of hand stuff, too. But, like, when he's trying to entertain his daughter – and he puts all the cards out of his mouth. He's the one that goes, how'd you, how'd you do that? Like he's, he's the one intently <laughs> looking at it. Like, how'd you do that? Just like Randall Park when he does the sleight of hand and he's like, how'd you do that? Mm-hmm. Which is fun throughout the whole movie that. The misdirection. Sli- the misdirection. Yeah, he comes back at the very end, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Where Randall gets like, he knows that when he sees the giant. Ant-Man costume. And like, Randall Park is in a villain. He's not a villain. He, right? No, no, like he's, he's, just, just, he's just a dude that's trying to do his job. And his job just happens to be checking so up on an Avenger. 
And he does have so that I, moment I, too where they're trying to catch him and he's like, I really need this. <laughs> like, I really need to captain, <laughs> catch this guy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. If you haven't gathered it by now, pretty much everyone that was in that first Ant-Man movie has come back for this one. So right off the bat, like everything that worked in Ant-Man is here again. Um, but now we have that added bonus of characters like Walter Goggins as Sonny Birch, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, like we mentioned before, coming in as one of Hank Pym's compatriots, Bill Foster. They worked together, you know, in the seventies, uh, before things went bad for them. Uh, we get Michelle Pfeiffer right up at the front as Janet Van Dyne, who there was some, like wondering who Janet was going to be played as when this movie was announced, because we had heard mentions of the wasp in Ant-Man, but nobody knew who it was going to be. But after this happened, it came out that Peyton Reed was ecstatic to get her in the role because that's who he kind of always envisioned as it, even though Michael Douglas was pulling for Catherine Zeta Jones (laughs) to play uh, Janet, which is fine. I get that. Um, Oh, Oh, because they're, they're married. They're I married. was thinking Entrapment. And I do have to say this. Catherine Zeta-Jones, not looking as good as she used to. Michelle Pfeiffer, s- still a fox. Still looks good. And I think right at the front of this movie where we do have that flashback to that original mission that had Ant-Man and the Wasp trying to take out that nuke. The de-aging technology that they have... That's the Michelle Pfeiffer that I grew up with seeing in movies. It's so well done. You mean the barf technology? Yes, the barf to coin the yeah. uh, the Iron Man reference. Uh, it works so well, and it's not as well done in one of the more upcoming movies that we'll have with Captain Marvel. I feel because young Nick Fury kind of looks fuzzy at some points, but in Ant Man. Top notch, nailed it. Um, I I don't have a lot of notes in the lead up to this. Um, ties into the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. We do see Scott under house arrest because he painted the walls in Germany with Captain America, as we saw previously in Civil War. But mm, I did want to mention that that. I don't think Scott's just worried about going to back to prison like he normally did, where he could still probably get conjugal visits from his you know family and still see Cassie. The guy just spent some time on the rig. The raft. The raft. I'm sorry. In the middle of nowhere, that it has to be called up out of the sea. You know? So he knows where they could send him. And he's only got three days. Yeah. It, it- it's relatable. Like, he he doesn't want to lose yeah. that. Like, he's already got the business set up that he was looking forward to in the original Ant-Man with his best friends with ex-con security. Uh, Luis is running it because, obviously, Scott's a felon, so he's not going to be able to own a business. But he has stakes on the line. There's things that are going to... He will miss out on. And one of the things that I'm kind of sad we're going to be missing out on going forward is the relationship that he has with this version of his family. Because the next time we're going to see Cassie 
is later on in Endgame, where it's five years after the snap, and that kind of like, hey, I'm your father, you're my like precocious, like fun little oh, that, kid. Like that's not gonna exist. That's one of the moments that gets me every time in Endgame. Oh, it's, it's so sad, but we're not gonna have that kind of fun them crawling through the maze that he made out of cardboard boxes mm-hmm. because he's stuck inside but still wants to have quality time with his daughter. Like, we might have something where he's trying to make up for lost time that could be as fun and heartwarming. But this is the only real family relationship that we have in the MCU, and we have 19 movies that take place before this. And i kind of lamenting the loss of that heart because we haven't seen anything else like this, and I don't think we actually really could again. Until the Fantastic Four. Possibly. Possibly. And it might be Fantastic Four 2 or 3 before we get Franklin Richards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, we, already, we already got his great-great-grandson. <laughs> uh, oh, Kang 2. Really good. Just by the way, uh, read it the other day. Uh, look forward to it. I bought Moon Knight number three today. I, I was planning on reading it at some point today, but <clears throat> didn't get to it. I'm I really like this movie. I know we we do go a lot more in depth in these things, but it's just a really it's a really enjoyable movie. And I wasn't when I went into this. I didn't have the same experience the first time I saw this. It was that second time that really nailed this movie going like, oh, man, this is fun. I like this. The action scenes, mm-hmm. how they use the going small, going big stuff. Like the wasps, the wasps scene in that restaurant mm-hmm. is a great action piece. I have to say, as a kid that had, you know, Hung out with other kids that had the micro machine like storage things. When they actually bust out the cars like out of the store, like the thing that looks like a tire, you know, storage micro machine. That that's cool. That's fun. I can enjoy those little pieces. I just wish this movie had a little bit more cohesion, cohesion, cohesion to it all. Like it's just. It's not quite a heist movie, but it is. But I don't. There's, it's not there's them going up because it's a villain. There's, there's not. There's things on the line, and there there's a time element. We gotta get. We gotta it's get not the a road thing. trip movie. I yeah. I don't think it like. It's, I can yeah, see I think, where you're. I can see where you're coming from, Paul. But at the same sense, like it doesn't need to be any of those movies. I. I and I probably would have been on your side the first viewing, like, this is missing things, this is this. Mm-hmm. This second viewing, I was like, this movie's perfect. Like, I love it from start to finish. Okay. It's got its own it's got its own feel and it's got its own agenda. And you are going against the wire. You're going against Scott Lang's three days. You're going against mm-hmm. having that that time limit to when they can save the the wasp, Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Like they have all these things that they're trying to do and everyone else has got an agenda who are, mm-hmm. who are 
stealing. So it's heat. Yeah, I, the main <laughs> crux of the movie is them trying to get Janet out of the quantum realm, and then you're just kind of seeing everything else that goes wrong in them trying to do that. And I think that's more where part of the this is a comedy with superhero elements comes in because it's like it's the hangover with people that shrink yeah. and grow. It's okay, well we have we're here, we need to get to here. What happens in between that? It's not the stakes are, hey, we're trying to rescue someone. It's not trying to take someone down. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish that's all I'm saying. I wish there was a little bit more of a through line. It does feel like more sets and like set pieces. And I think if there was a little bit better of a villain, or if there, if it was more of a heist, or any number of things to kind of tie it all together, it would work better for me. Uh. The, it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy watching it. The biggest thing I have to ask you, Paul, though, is how is that beer you're drinking? <laughs> That's right. It is so good. It is just big wallops of caramel, finishing off with a salty, salty, salty richness with that bourbon barrel vanilla on the back end. It's so good. This is the Dragon's Milk Reserve, bourbon barrel aged stout with salted caramel. Uh, this is the 2001 Reserve number three, uh, clocking in at, I don't want to look at 11.2 because I got to work tomorrow. It's just 11%. Okay. Thank goodness. Uh, got to shave off that point yeah. two. But uh, it is so rich. It is a dessert beer. It is, it's just that dark, caramely flavor just like is still sitting on my tongue i haven't taken a sip in a while uh and i know as soon as i sip it i'm gonna get that again it's just gonna roll over all three beers tonight guys they're they've been rich and silky and smooth and velvety and you know uh, i'm very happy with all three beers um this one's going to take me over the moon i'm going to be a little too i'm going to Go a little too big and need to take a nap uh, out on the uh, docks here, much like our friend Scott Lang. Uh, yeah. Chris, are you drinking anything uh, else? I had talked about it up at the front of the show um, earlier when I had been watching Ant-Man and the Wasp. I drank a Sausage Fingers from Cyber Brewing. I knew I was going to have a chance to drink another beer while we were talking. Didn't plan on talking about this one uh, during the show, but yeah. I'm drinking Sideward Brewing Sausage Fingers, so they're Oktoberfest-style lager. And it's just everything that you would want out of an Oktoberfest. Um, John had mentioned it before. We might have been on a pause during that point. But I sent both of you guys a can of this last year when they had had their uh, Sidetoberfest. It's just a great Oktoberfest beer. It's a little bit maltier than most others. Like, it's... Still pretty light, but it's not like super, super light. Like there's some depth in that kind of breadiness that you get to it. Um, but I, I love this. I have two more cans left in my fridge. I'm thankful I have the uh, cold IPA to kind of fill that void, but I probably want to try to get to Sideward again within the next week to grab another four pack of this before it's gone. Because 
Uh, I I really dig this. It's great for making uh, your Oktoberfest meal. If you have any kielbasa, potatoes, or sauerkraut, uh, cook it in this. Knockout. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those things that Chris sent us a text being like, I'm at Sidewards, I'm having this Pilsner, sent us a picture of the Pilsner, sent us a picture of the beers that he had bought. And I was like, oh, check Pilsner. I had a nice light beer from them. So I pulled up on Untapped, um, and I pulled up like what I had from them. And I was like, oh, I had a lager. And then I saw on the list their Oktoberfest beer, and I was like, that was a pretty good Oktoberfest. Man, I wish I could have that again. And then like an hour, two hours later, Chris puts up a picture that he's drinking it. And I'm like, yeah, I wish I had that. And that's why it was so easy to flip for me to go get another act to get an Oktoberfest. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm in the mood for an Oktoberfest, but I did crack open after drinking that KBS. I was like, man, I can't have anything too heavy. So I'm drinking another bush apple, uh, bush light apple. This is really good. I bought two 12-packs when they came back in stock, and I was like, ah, I'm just going to have these and enjoy them because they're nice little refreshers. It's one of those things like, I, I, don't, I don't know if we've mentioned this, listeners, but I, I bought a new house with my wife. I got this great new front porch that I'm going to have, and I got a great little back porch, but it's like the first beer I want to have in October sitting on my front porch I'm going to have a bush apple. And I like, I, it was before even the bush, I knew it was coming back in so I could buy it. And I was like fantasizing about having my bush apple on my front porch. Like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to sit in my Adirondack chair and I'm going to have this beer. And it's going to be my, my little thing to, to say, hey, this is toast. This is, this yeah. is my house. Uh, You're gonna crack it over, it open on the side of the house, much like oh, champagne bottles I, on the ship. No, ship. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shotgun it. <laughs> shotgun it. Yeah, yeah. So my new neighbors can be like, oh, we got, some, got some real white trash moving in. Oh, this guy drinking so you do that bush. on the front porch. No, no, you sip your bush on the front porch and then you shotgun it on your back porch. You got two porches. Man. Oh, that fenced in back backyard too, so it's nice. Uh, yeah, no. It's a, it's really good, Paul. When I see when I see you on Saturday, I'll see if I I'll have Caitlin bring a couple because I'm coming from work. I'll have them. I'll have her bring well, you a couple of these. They're they're not great, but they're good for what good. they are. It's huh? like this shouldn't be as good as is as it is. It's long. It's so they're better than what I wanted. Uh. Big Ditch Apple Cinnamon. Yeah. This tastes like apple. It tastes like apple, like an apple Jolly yeah. Rancher beer. Okay. It's nice. It it shouldn't so, be as good. Drink a cider. It shouldn't Otter be as Creek. good as it is. Drinking Otter Creek Harvest. Uh, har- harvest uh, Cider. Uh, Amanda and the Wasp, where do you guys put this uh, on your but, Marvel movie retrospective? Before we get into that... A couple things I want to mention. Um, okay. We had talked about her... From all the notes that you don't have. I, I mean, I still have a, I still have a page of notes. Oh, okay. um, I do want to call out Ava, a.k.a. Ghost, um, one of the antagonists in this movie, because I think this is kind of leading into more what 
Marvel's getting into with kind of that approachable villain. Like, you understand her state. You know why she's doing what she does because she's kind of a victim of her circumstances that, again, forced on her by Hank Pym. Um, and then later on, S.H.I.E.L.D. using her as kind of like a wet works assassin. Uh, I like seeing S.H.I.E.L.D. being kind of played in that less than stellar light because, yeah, they're an espionage organization. Like, they're going to. Who was run by Hydra? Yeah, they're going to do some, like, shady shit. Um, I think uh, Hannah John Kamen, who played Ava, does a fantastic job, and I wish. We had had more of her since then, um, much like Mordo, or sorry, uh, Mordo in Doctor Strange. Like, there's some great side characters in the MCU that you really enjoy in those movies, but they haven't come back yet. And I know the moment that they do pop up in something, I'm going to be like, okay, yes, finally. Um, so shout out to Ghost for that because. All that ghost stuff was really cool and really well done. Um, another thing well, that comes... Oh, go ahead. I, I just, like, the thing, too, with, like, with Mordru is, like, they probably were expecting to do Doctor Strange 2 a lot closer to Doctor Strange yeah. 1. And the fact that, <clears throat> no, it just didn't fall into the line of movies that were coming out, and then you gotta wait X amount of years now after Endgame for a Doctor Strange movie. It's, you know, when those people sat down to write the movie, they weren't expecting what the future of Marvel movies was gonna be. And then also a global pandemic to even push things farther back. But yeah, that one, uh, I can't think of the name's the name of the actor, but he's a great actor and he was great in that role. And then to see him fall to be the bad guy and to be an arch enemy for Dr. Strange is great. No see more, more sorcerers. Yeah. I, I want that. Like maybe we'll get that in Dr. Strange too. Uh, who knows? So it's like, like a year before that movie comes out. Um, Another reference that kind of leads into the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, that will get some payoff when Endgame comes. There is a conversation between Scott and Hope where he makes reference to Cap. And then he kind of like sells like, oh, well, you know, that's that's what we call him if we're friends, you know. Uh, And then in Endgame, during that climactic battle, you have Steve Rogers addressing everybody that's there. And Hope just says, like, we're on it, Cap. And then she kind of gives that look over to Scott, like, okay, I get it. Um, (laughs) Again, fun payoff that comes three movies later. Uh, We do get a Stan Lee cameo in this as well, during the climactic car chase through the streets of San Francisco. Which also, San Francisco is where the most recent uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Shang-Chi, takes place. Uh... I was hoping for some reference to Ant-Man and that didn't happen. I'll forgive it because that's still a kick-ass awesome movie. Um, but yeah, Stan Lee goes to get into his car, which shrinks in front of him. And he's, he gets to uh, make reference to like, boy, the 60s were fun. But I'm paying for it now. Uh, 
fun stoner Stan Lee reference. Didn't know I needed it until I got it. Uh, also kind of sad that this is going to be one of the last Stan Lee cameos that we're going to wind up getting in anything outside of Captain Marvel and then later on Endgame. Um, I don't know if anyone has anything else to jump into before we talk about mid-credits and then post-credits. No. Because no. uh, mid-credits... Because this movie actually ends in a, on a pretty happy note. Like, everything's great. Scott's out of house arrest. He gets to see his family. Uh, all's well. And then in our mid-credits scene, we get what Paul had been mentioning at the beginning of the show, where they're going back into the quantum realm to capture like the quantum particles to help Ghost with her rehabilitation and healing process. Uh, and it's in that moment that we find out that Scott's now trapped in the quantum realm because the snap has happened, and basically everyone else that's responsible for getting him out of there, uh, namely Hank Pym, Hope, and Janet Van Dyne, have been snapped away, which is actually going to lead us into... Scott's standings in Endgame where he's stuck in the quantum realm and while five years has passed in real time for him it's been five hours uh, leading to time travel mm-hmm. uh, and then we get a post credit scene which is basically just the ant that has been assuming Scott's identity while they were trying to hide him from Jimmy Woo uh, playing the drums do you need to watch it? No. Is it fun? Yeah. Scott's but you also a giant see it, ant that lives with him. You also see it in the movie, too. Like, it was just a callback to the... Yeah. yeah. But at that point, during the post credit scene, you know that it's taking place after the snap had happened, because the TV that they kind of push past has, like, the emergency broadcast signal on it, which means that mm. it happened at that point. And then eventually someone had to go into that house and then found a giant ant <laughs> living there, which is probably fun. And, you know, maybe a Marvel one-shot that I would want to see. Yeah. Army of One. That's the name of that. that that's sure. the name of that short. But we'll talk more about yeah, Marvel one-shots yeah. in an upcoming episode of the Great Marvel Movie Retrospective. But- I think now when I go to watch these movies, I no longer watch those post-credit scenes because a lot of times the post-credit scenes don't actually line up with the timeline of the movies if you were watching them in chronological order. Like when Thanos goes and grabs a glove after like Guardians 1. Well, that doesn't make sense because, you know, it doesn't get the glove until you know, like uh, Infinity War and there's a lot of little hiccups that kind There's of hiccups, there. but they're still exciting enough uh, in the time as of release that there's something there that would get you hyped up for what came next. Probably the biggest one is, you know, Endgame, and, or not Endgame, but Infinity War and Captain Marvel. Like, because the scene plays out completely different yeah. in, the, in Infinity War. Or uh, in Endgame from Infinity Wars. So, as I go through these, I'm kind of less and less interested in those postcarded scenes. Like, the one in, uh, what, Iron Man 2 with uh, the Thor hammer mm-hmm. drop. I'm less interested. You know, 
I mean, would I miss anything if I didn't see those post-credit sequences? Other than this one, this one puts Ant Man where he needs to be for the next movie. Sequence, yeah. But at the same time, though, like when that you know uh, Coulson at the site of the hammer, that was a big deal at the time. Like that was building the universe, and I think. Everything that you've no, seen, I don't, like, I don't disagree with that. Post-credit scenes, like it was going into building that universe, and we're looking back at these now, like twenty movies in, twelve years later. At the time, that was huge, and even looking back at the DC universe now, and it's one of those things like we talk about it every time, and it might not be the most appropriate thing, but here we are now with two Ant Man movies under our belt, him also appearing in another movie. We're still waiting for a good Green Lantern movie. We're still waiting for a continuity where there's one Batman, not three different ones between Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and now uh, Robert Pattinson. Like, uh, and Michael and, Keaton and coming also, back. And Michael Keaton and Michael coming back Keaton. in Flash. Like, We're still waiting for DC to get that shit together. So the fact that Marvel can have these things where they're putting out this gigantic 20-picture cinematic universe where they're just like, yeah, you know what? Throw Howard the Duck in a post credit scene. Yeah, he'll show up again later in Endgame as someone that's coming out of where, like... Everything that they're doing, like, is leading into the next thing. And, yeah, when you go back 10 years later, like, oh, I don't need to watch this now. But at the time, like... Yeah, kind of got to look at it through that lens. The great Marvel movie retrospective is us watching them now, knowing what we know after watching the movies that come afterwards. And I'm saying now, you know, after watching these movies more than once, the the post credit sequence. Okay, cool. This is the one that I would the mid credit sequence. Okay, cool. Keep it. All the other ones? I would agree for the most part, they're not needed to watch again. When you're in that theater watching that movie for the first time, and they do those credit scenes, completely completely there. The only reason I stayed and watched the post-credit stuff for this is to remember what happened Mm -hmm. because we were going to talk about it. This is one that actually stays with you because it's leads into the next movie. And it actually, like Paul said, it does have something that something at the end of this movie actually matters to something else that's happening. But most of the time they're that drop your jaw. Oh, and then it says Ant-Man and will appear in again or Ant-Man will appear in an infinity war or just wait for Thano, you know, like they have those at those end of those movies. And you're like, Oh yeah, I can't fucking wait for the next thing. Yeah. And uh, even like recently with Shang-Chi, like the, you haven't seen it, right? Paul? No, I haven't seen okay. it either. Okay. Hey, November 12th, I heard it's coming to Disney plus. <laughs> I, just to I heard it on great podcasts. Great and review us again. The Shang-Chi post-credit scene has things that are going to be leading into where the MCU goes. And that's important. That's worth celebrating and talking about. 
10 years from now, like looking back, like, Oh yeah, this thing happened. Like, I don't, I don't care about it. Well, no, like 10 years before that, like that was a big deal. And I think we still kind of have to look at it because this is a retrospective. It's looking back on that moment. Like all those things were important, even if now they're not as important. Like, and, and, even Black Widow ties Black Widow ties in two of the Marvel series. The Black Widow post credit ties in Captain America Winter Soldier and a future series that's about to come out. Like it it works, but it's not tying in movies, it's tying in the Marvel shows. Yeah, so as a retrospective, this is one I would sit back and watch when you get to the end credits to see the drumming ant, and that's fine. But going back to watch this, guys, what? Where does this fall on your list of the Marvel movies that we have seen so far? That's right. There's 19 of them on our list right now. Name your where this 20th one falls in your power ranking where I don't need you guys to uh, like list off all 20 of your power ranking but just let me know where it hits Uh, so this is going to hit number 9 for me and I've been hemming and hawing but it's going to go below Iron Man 2 and ahead of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and ahead of Ant-Man original Ant-Man wow like, I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I don't know if I, before I watched this, if I would have put this this high. I probably would have put it, like, between Iron Man 3 and Captain America, or Iron Man and Iron Man 3 and Thor, like, somewhere lower on my list. But I had so much fun with this movie that I was like, no, I really like this. I would watch this movie again. Like if Caitlin said to me like, Oh, what would you guys talk about? Oh, we did uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. She's like, Oh, what did you think? Oh, I liked it a lot more than I did in the theater. And she's like, well, I haven't seen this in this theater. Do you want to watch it again? I'd be like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Like I'm down to watch it again. I really liked it. And I fought with the idea of putting it over Iron Man and it still might be over original Iron Man. I just, I think I have a little more too much history with Iron Man, that first Iron Man movie to mm-hmm. knock it down again. But it's it's neck and neck with, with Iron Man on this list of, of my movies. Do you need me to list all, all of the, the top no, seven? No, no, no. Wait, I don't think said, we need to. I'm just saying that you, you like spiders more than ants because Homecoming is above Iron Man. So, there you go. Uh, I'll say where mine is yeah. going. Mine is going to number 14 on my list. Uh, it, it isn't as much fun. I like Ant-Man, the original, a little bit more than this. Maybe because it's the world building. Maybe because it's a more straightforward story. Um... You know, I kind of mentioned my problems with Ant-Man and the Wasp in my review. So it goes below Ant-Man. It goes right below Iron Man 3 and above Thor. 
does put it in the lower bracket of the Marvel movies, but I think it's still fun. But I'm not. It's not one of the movies that I'm going to be clamoring to watch again. And if you were to put up, hey, Paul, do you want to watch Ant Man or Ant Man and the Wasp? I'm going to choose the original Ant Man over this one, time and time again. Um, and that's kind of how I do this rank, ranking. I'm like, okay, which one would I rather watch right now? And I kind of keep on going, keep on going until I find, oh, nope, I'd rather watch Ant-Man and the Wasp instead of Thor. And that's where the where, where this movie lands. Uh, so. For me, my ranking is actually going to be the same as John's. Like, this is my number nine. Uh, we have a little bit different, like, eight in front of it. But this is beating out stuff like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and then the original Ant-Man and then both the Iron Mans. Um, this is right in my top ten. Like, this is just a fun movie to sit down and watch. It just helps that it's part of the MCU because it does fit alongside some of the other stuff that I have over it, like... Spider-Man Homecoming and Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it's it has its place in the universe, but you can still sit down and watch it for what it is. Uh, I I think what I think the difference between with the three of us is Chris, you and I don't care that there aren't giant giant stakes. The world isn't at peril. And Paul needs that. Paul needs that bigger yeah, yeah. stake where we can just kind of almost look at this as a slice of life Ant-Man movie where it makes sense with these characters and fits where Paul needs it to be a little bit bigger. And that's fine. Like, if I see Ant-Man in a big crossover book, okay, that's fine. Like, I like him appearing in it. But if they announce an Ant-Man number one and it's him just trying to, you know, pay child support. Yeah, that that's a book that I'm going to pick up and read because you care about the character more than the, the plot. And I think that's kind of like that delineation between, honestly, even like the rest of the stuff that's over Ant-Man in my list. Because like, those are all big, heavy movies, except for... Stuff like Thor Ragnarok, which is my number two. Um, But I think like Ant-Man and the Wasp and Spider-Man Homecoming are very much the same things because you're just watching like a superhero in their day-to-day stuff. Like it's just who they are and what they do. Um, And I kind of like that, just that breath before you head into the next big Marvel movie. Yeah, I I like this movie. And if you like this podcast, uh, rate and review us. Let us know. Uh, find us over on our Facebook. We have a great website where Chris is putting up those show notes. And um, let us just let us know. We we, we know you're listening. We know you. We know you're listening. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm just gonna say it because I was doing some podcast stuff earlier on uh the last well not the last episode but the podcast had 311 downloads today alone 
we didn't even put out an episode today. That's just a random day's download. So, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, rate and review us, please. Let us know you're listening. Email us, baitandbroadcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the social medias. Uh, we just do this because we like to. But, you know, some encouragement wouldn't be uh, unappreciated. <laughs>